welcome to Rem and Sam back again. Probably one of the last one or two weeks where we still have NFL and NBA. It's gonna it's gonna be a minute because it's Super Bowl Sunday this week. We got a little distracted though with a couple trades. Trade deadline is tomorrow. Recording this February eighth. Trade deadlines on the ninth. Deals are happening as we speak by the minute, and we'll get into it. But we got to start with the biggest sporting event in America. Most viewers every single year, the Super Bowl. There's a reason it's called the Super Bowl. We got hundreds of bulls out there, a whole lot of college bulls, but there's only one Super Bowl, and the Chiefs are in it, and I'm excited for it. But, you know, we got a lot to talk about. But, Rem, what are you most excited with this Super Bowl? Well, how are you feeling? Because, you know, the first couple Super Bowls you guys are in, it's fun. You know, you're just happy to be there. The, the first win you guys get, first Super Bowl in almost 50 years, a half a decade goes by. You guys are just happy that this is actually happening to your franchise. But we're five years in now, and all of a sudden, it's not just we're five years into this run. It's not just Mahomes is the top guy, but Brady's gone. He's out of the league. He was there. There's no belt. In football, but if there was just a belt top guy in football, Brady, you know, the, the last season or two, obviously he wasn't playing at the level of Brady, but it's still the GOAT quarterback. He probably still has the belt his entire career, but now he is actually gone. He's out of football. Mahomes probably has that belt now as just top guy in the game, top guy, top dog, heavyweight. Everybody is chasing Mahomes. He's going into the Super Bowl. The Eagles are the most complete team in the league. How are you feeling right now? Because this is like, the I feel like this is the first time. Obviously, you guys have been the hunted now, but you're in the big game. And like we said, Mahomes is clearly the belt top quarterback face guy. Are, are the nerves okay? It's We're just a couple days out at this point. The nerves are definitely calm. A lot calmer than they were the first Super Bowl, you know. Mahomes um, has proven himself a little bit, a couple more times since then. You know, every Super Bowl we've been in, we've been counted out. So much so that I counted us out the first Super Bowl. You know, I know we had our little bet. <laughs> I still remember having to admit, you know, that uh, I was wrong when my team was right or my team won. But every single Super Bowl, it's been a daunting task to win. And so far, Mahomes has been one and one with facing that task last time. I mean, it was even too much for him to handle. And if you really look at it, I mean, it wasn't his fault at all. He, I mean, it was to the point, that, you know, ball bouncing off his receiver's helmets, not much he could do. And again, this is another year where he faces a monster defensive line, you know, a quarterback who isn't, he is mobile, but, you know, I don't know. We consider him an MVP, but I don't know if, we consider him talent-wise as high as, you know, the upper echelon of quarterbacks. But they've made an offense to fit him, um, an elite offense, high cylinder. They know what they're doing, you know, um, really fast. So it's definitely something he's faced before and something he's beaten, something he's lost to. So, I mean, they're saying today that he feels good. Of course, they'd say that. But he definitely has more time to rest since his last game. And we saw him even with not being 100%. So, with him healthy, it's it's definitely a lot calmer nerves because I've seen him play injured, but um, it's even calmer nerves knowing that he'll have even more time to rest and before he has to play the big game. Does, does this game count toward Andy Reid's record off a of bye? You get the week break, the Pro Bowl in there? I mean, we could, yeah. It's two weeks to prepare. 
I mean, it's a week off. Because then, I mean, then the win percentage goes up to like 92%. Yeah. I mean, it definitely gets up there. And, I mean, last week we already mentioned Reed's great um, coaching career and how it's gone. And, you know, with this game, it's it's so hard to tell because we haven't really seen the Eagles tested this whole year. Obviously, they weren't undefeated and they got kind of destroyed in the one game they lost. But for the – I mean, in, and looking at the other side, Jalen Hurts isn't 100% either. Uh, this is his first big spot. I mean, really big spot in the Super Bowl. First real test in the playoffs. Uh, we've seen him obviously at college level, and we already know my uh, my stance on college playoffs. And you know, we've seen him perform at the biggest level, win a couple of championships at, at Alabama. But NFL is different, and it's I mean, the Super Bowl is just it's it's just a different level. I mean, even from the conference championship to the Super Bowl, it's just it's just different level of fanfare. It's just different. So it's it's kind of hard to tell because the Eagles have kind of been like, you know, to use a college reference, you know, that team that's been destroying everyone is undefeated and then, you know, rolls into the playoffs and you're like, well, you haven't played anyone. So what are we really looking at? And now they're going up against, you know, maybe what do we consider Alabama at this point, you know, with a team that's been consistently good and has faced really good team year, good teams all year, you know, had a couple bruises because of it and but have had hard tests to make it to this point and so far I've made it through all of them and now it's 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 gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how it goes in this final final moment and you know we'll, we'll get into picks later but I mean we know obviously which way I'm leaning but it, it's gonna be a good game that's that's for sure and the pro football reference page, you know, just the numbers for this Eagles team, it's going to look like a really impressive team. It is a really impressive team. I mean, it's talented players all over the place, but best record in the league, obviously, 14 and three pro football focus. This was the number one overall rated team on the season. Most pro bowlers in the league as well. You know, obviously crazy talented eight pro bowlers, and they've continued this run into the playoffs as well. In the two games that they've played, they've outscored their opponents. 69 to 14 but you mentioned the fact that they haven't played anybody and it's not just that they haven't played anybody it's the quarterbacks that these guys have faced time and time again are just constantly in the middle constantly average level quarterbacks and the the difference in talent level between what they've faced this season and what they're about to face with pat mahomes i mean we don't even need to state it pat mahomes is the best quarterback in the league but the quarterbacks that the eagles have actually played this year in 2023, Jared Goff, Kurt Cousins, Kenny Pickett, Davis Mills, Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, Andy Dalton, Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke. The good quarterbacks they actually played. Trevor Lawrence in week four. This is the Jazz, you know, a couple or the, the, the Jags, a couple of good games to start, but that's still early in the season. They're not really getting rolling like we saw them at the end of the end, making the playoff run there. Tyler Murray, but does he really count? Because the last four seasons he's had Cliff Kingsbury, maybe the worst coach in the league. Aaron Rodgers, not the MVP candidate he was. And Justin Fields, but Justin Fields is on the Bears. The Bears have the number one overall pick. So the one the one team that we actually were excited for them to play, the matchup that was supposed to be the heavyweight fight for them this year was against the Cowboys. And in both of those games, I mean, the first game, Dak's down. It's Jalen Hurts versus Cooper Rush. And in the second game, Jalen Hurts is out. Dak Prescott's back, but yet Dak Prescott versus Garner Minshew. We never see him go, you know, toe-to-toe with the one team on their schedule that we think is just the most 
complete team top to bottom. And even in the playoff, I mean, Purdy goes down. Josh Johnson, even he goes down. They're playing Purdy. They're a quarterback that can't even throw the football. And still in that 49ers game, the combined passer rating between Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson in that game was 79. Not a good game, obviously, but Jalen Hurts' passer rating in that game was 72. So the, the difference in talent here is going to be a massive jump. But again, this team, eight pro bowlers, all pros all over the place. And you saw it with Georgia in the college football play- playoffs to you know make the comparison that you made where you, know, you just go... Maybe maybe one of these teams is going to be talented enough to stop them, but they just keep rolling. And you look back and go, oh, yeah, the reason that nobody the reason that all these opponents were inferior, the reason that all these matchups were lopsided is because they were just way better than everybody. They dominated everybody. They took care of business like maybe that's what's going on here with this Eagles team where on paper. It's like they're the number one team across the board, but they haven't actually had like the big fight to prove it yet. Yeah, and we'll see. And that that is a good point to bring up that, you know, the losses have been because of losing Jalen Hurts when they had Minshew in there and, you know, some close games there as well. But, yeah, I mean, they're the Cowboys, like you mentioned, were supposed to be that big matchup. And the Cowboys pretty much were themselves in the playoffs. Not really a surprise to see them fold like that. And that, and with them being in the a- NFC, the quarterback depth is so shallow there. I mean, there's... I mean, when you look at the top of the league, it's it's pretty much Hurts and maybe Rodgers. And, like, Rodgers this year was dealing with – I mean, a rookie wide receiver was his best one, which, you know, Christian Watson did his best. But not much you're going to get out of that. So, considering who they face so far, if Mahomes is healthy, I, I personally think he's taking it. And, you know, which leads into our seg- one of our segments that we have, Another of Rem's great ideas, the NFL MVP draft. Now, I, I personally think that, you know, it's obviously your segment. So, you know, take me if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but we got Hertz and Mahomes pretty much at both plus 135. And I think we can take them off the board. I mean, and then, you know, the quarterbacks, it's too easy. So without the quarterbacks, Rem, who are you taking number one here for? The MVP Super Bowl draft. Super Bowl MVP. I think the first guy, I think the most value is going to be, I think if the Eagles are going to win this game, we take the quarterbacks off the board. But I think if you're going for value, Jalen Hurts at plus 130, if the Eagles are going to win, is obviously not the best value. Probably going to be a defensive game. Probably going to have to slow Mahomes down. And it's. I think it's going to come from the pass rush. And the Eagles' best pass rusher and maybe the best pass rusher in the playoffs so far has been Hassan Reddick. So I think the first pick off the board, Hassan Reddick, you can get him at 34-1 to right now. He has three and a half sacks in two playoff games this year. And if you go back to the regular season, 11 and a half sacks in the last eight. So he's been on a monster tear. And if you remember, obviously, early in that San Francisco game, he is wrecking havoc. Shanahan's blocking him with the backup tight end. He goes in, injures Purdy, changes the dynamic of the game, but he was just wrecking havoc the entire game. Anyway, so first pick off the board, Hassan Reddick at 34 to 1. All right. Um, here, you know, going with another kind of trendy pick. I think if if definitely with uh if the Eagles win, it'll definitely need a pass rush to get to Mahomes. But also, I think it's going to take the quarterback slinging it down the field. 
and looking at the Eagles roster, they have a certain someone who showed up really big for a college team back in the day, championship game, trying to pull up the stats, but um, had three touchdowns before half, certain someone named Devontae Smith. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, he 12 catches, 215 yards, three touchdowns. And thinking about it with, you know, Snead still kind of banged up, it's definitely they're going to have to score more than the Chiefs to beat them is what I think. I mean, definitely, obviously, that makes sense. But in terms of they probably they need their offense definitely firing on all cylinders. And while, Jay, while Jalen Hurts, you know, run, him running will help. Um, him getting the ball down the field will be what I think really will be the difference in this game. And scoring quickly against these guys. And while A.J. Brown, big wide receiver, big target, I think Devontae Smith could really have an interesting boomer bust kind of potential in this game. And he's shown to really boom in big moments. So I'm taking him with the number one pick. You know, just because it if he if he blows up, it's gonna be real ugly for the Chiefs. And I mean, he even though he drops the ball on that fourth and three on the drive that leads to the first score for the Eagles in that Niners game, like that's still almost a crazy one-handed catch he makes. And the Eagles are kind of a team this year that have been just they've been a really solid team, but you can't there's not like a lot of Eagles highlights that stand out, a lot of big plays a lot of you know even like Jalen Hurts he's been creative with his legs but a lot of the times that's him him just pulling the ball down running picking up eight yards picking up 12 yards sliding it's not like a crazy play there hasn't been a lot of improvise you know off script crazy things happen for the Eagles this year and that was actually the first that was one of them on that opening drive Jalen Hurts kind of rolls out Smith you know he breaks off from his route turns up field makes the catch so Crazy talented, like you said, won the Heisman. So I think a worthy pick. I think with my second pick, and this again, going into going back into big game history, not also just big game history, but Super Bowl history with the Chiefs, we maybe know what their game plan is kind of going into this, these types of games. And we know they like to get the running backs involved. We know that. It's important for their offense. And if you remember the Super Bowl win against the 49ers, Damian Williams in that game, it's underrated how good Damian Williams was. I mean, obviously you're going to give the Pat, the MVP to Pat Mahomes if he plays even decent. He was really good in that game, really solid, well-deserved, incredible season. But I watching the game, Damian Williams, was he the best offensive player in the, on the field for the Chiefs? I mean, only those who watched the game will remember, but he had 21 touches in that game. 136 yards and two touchdowns. So there's a couple of running back options you can go for with the Chiefs, but I think Damian Williams was a veteran in that spot. And I think in a big game, you have to rely on the veterans. So Jarek McKinnon at 50 to one. You can also get Pacheco at 50 to one if you want to go youth, talent. You know, maybe he booms. But again, I think Reed relies on the veterans. We've seen that in big spots. And again, we've seen the running backs come through in the biggest moments for the Chiefs as well. So McKinnon, 50 to one, second pick off the board for me. Yeah, that's an interesting Jarek McKinnon over Pacheco. That's a little little zaggy there. Definitely, if it was like fantasy points, mate, I mean, I'd definitely probably go with McKinnon, just him finding the end zone a lot more than Pacheco. 
But I think Pacheco gets more uh, touches in general. He'll probably put up more stats, and they'll they'll definitely start and end with him. So, so yeah, Jarek McKinnon, interesting, kind of trendy. You know, probably great value on it, but we'll see. I'm going to go with a little bit of a layup here since we're on the Chiefs offense. You know, I got to take him off the board. He's a little too much. We got to go with Kelsey. You know, it's definitely Juju still a little banged up. MVS, who knows what's going on with him. But, you know, after listening to the pod, I got to show love to my man, Kelsey. I know it's a little bit almost like picking Mahomes, but he's still a non-quarterback. So we're we're taking Kelsey out of this one um, at my second pick. And I should probably keep track of who I'm picking here. You're good. I got I got the picks. Oh, oh okay. All right. Rem's on the ball. He's on, he's on it. Yeah, I'm keeping track of the teams. We're good. We're good. Kelsey, Kelsey didn't have like the best Super Bowl in the win against the Niners, but I think against the the Bucks, he actually his stats were good in that game. Anyways, I have to go back and watch see if it was garbage time. Obviously, the score wasn't close, but I think he yeah. was ten receptions for a hundred and thirty, like hundred and thirty three yards, no touchdowns, but good numbers for Kelsey in that game. Obviously, Chiefs number one receiver, yeah. likely. Uh, Likely that he has a good game. Also, just in general, it feels like the vibe around the Kelsey brothers, like these are the two top just guys going into the Super Bowl brothers going head to head. Feels like one of the if one of these guys is going to have a moment, feels like Kelsey's going to have a big game. Is there is there a prop for Jason Kelsey touchdown? You feel like they bring him in maybe goal line situation, run a pass, a run. Because again, Kelsey brothers, like the hype around these guys, it's all good vibes. The podcast is popping off. So I feel like you have to get him involved on offense in some way. Might, yeah, they might make a play. Also, I wonder what the bet is for Mama Kelsey doing the coin flip. I want to see that. Why can't that happen? Because it's a no fun league. <laughs> no fun league. Roger Goodell. Uh, fourth, or I guess uh, third, my uh, third. third pick. Third pick. I feel like we're... Now we're down to the interesting options to, I guess, probably only got a couple picks left. I feel like maybe some yeah. heavy hitters. Let's see. Let's see. So, again, let's go. Let's dip dip back into this Eagles defense because I feel like if the Eagles are going to win, it's not just going to be the defense shuts Mahomes down, like keeps the offense. It's going to be like sacks, interceptions, forcing turnovers, big plays. It just there's a lot of high level fly around guys on this Philly defense. I think you can get Chauncey Gardner Johnson 150 to one. Mahomes yeah. has four interceptions in the two Super Bowls, two picks in each one. So, you know, he's going all out. The Chiefs are obviously running everything through him. Big risks, big swings. Johnson is again one of these like he's just flying around everywhere. Feels like he even could get like a couple sacks too. Maybe there's a defensive touchdown in, in there somewhere. So if some, you could go slay in the secondary, you could go Bradbury. I'm sorry if I'm naming picks, but I feel like just if a defensive guy is going to win the MVP in the Super Bowl, give me the guy with the most chaotic energy on defense. I got Hassan Reddick, the pass rusher. I feel like in the secondary for the Eagles, their most chaotic player is CJ Garner Johnson. So I, you know, give me him 150 to one fourth pick. So the Chiefs are actually not the only team to be in the Super Bowl twice in five years. The Eagles are as well. And they had a lot of players bringing back some of the, a lot of the same players from that first Super Bowl win. 
and we when looking back on that game, like you mentioned, it was defense, it was big time players showing up at big time moments. And you know, while I'd love to pick Fletcher Cox at this point, I think there's just too much focus on him. So, you know, I think I'm gonna go with Brandon Graham, the guy who should have been the MVP in that first Super Bowl because of that strip sack. I'm sorry, Nick Foles, but that Philly special, like that isn't worth it. Um, because Brandon Graham's strip sack is what turned around the game. I mean, the the Pats had the ball, you know with two about a two minute drill you know brady was gonna come down the field do his thing um they were uh they were only down by five so they get a touchdown and pretty much close the deal and brady you know does his thing but who shows up on the play but brandon graham fights through gets the strip i think did he get the ball as well i don't know i think i think he might no he didn't get the ball as well i think let me let me i'm trying to think yeah, okay, so it might have been – well, because I think it was Graham who had the strips to sack himself because it had long as well. Yeah, it was Graham who had the sack, but it was someone else who got the fumble from it. Um, But that all that to say, Graham, he talks a lot of smack. He knows to get in people's heads. So, you know, even if it's not on-the-field stuff, it's off-the-field stuff, might be messing up, you know, Kelsey and all that, all those guys. He, Kelsey was talking about how, he, you know, he's got to watch out for it. But regardless, BG is my third pick and should have won it last last time around. And, and University of Michigan alum, too. So shout out to the Maize and Blue. Uh, like you mentioned, just a guy who's been there before with experience, big game guy, feels like he could step up. If you were looking Eagles pass rushers, who else could get potentially a pick? Uh, well, maybe maybe we'll we'll say picks and do honorable mentions. You still have a couple of picks left. Uh is this pick four? Yeah, pick four. Pick four? Yeah, okay. Can go five deep, I guess. Five deep? Okay. Yeah. I think I might have said the fourth pick last time, but this is actually my fourth pick, and I think we just we have to go just get good players. Obviously, Super Bowl MVP. We just... Who are the best guys left on the board? Who are the most talented guys left on the board? And it feels impossible for a Chiefs, defend, a Chiefs defender to win the Super Bowl MVP Pat Mahomes, the offense is explosive, but maybe in the mold of like the 96 Packers where you have Brett Favre, Young at the peak of his powers, winning MVPs every year. You also have Reggie White on defense, who is the best defensive player in the league. And it's gone under the radar this year that the Chiefs, yeah, they have the best offensive player in the conference in Pat Mahomes, but they may also have the best defensive player in the conference as well. So with my fourth pick, like we said, have to get the big talents off the board. Chris Jones, 50 to one to win Super Bowl MVP and maybe not the best odds for a defensive tackle. But like I said, maybe the best defensive player in the AFC. I mean, the guys that are really competing with him this year. I mean, he's on the defensive player of the year ballot with Micah Parsons and Nick Bosa. Both of those guys are in the NFC like Miles Garrett. TJ Watt has won the defensive player of the year, but Chris Jones might be the top guy. So maybe the chiefs have the best offensive player and the best defensive player in the conference. Maybe that's why they're in the super bowl. Chris Jones, 50 to one pick four. Yeah, that's a great pick at with at fourth, um, fourth place. And, you know, he's definitely, he doesn't have those high, you know, stats like TJ Watt, 
all those guys. But he always shows up when needed. Um, you know, and did or no, that was Frank Clark, I think, who had the uh the sack in the Patriots AFC championship. I'm trying to remember who when we had that interception. I don't know if that was Chris Jones or Frank Clark. It might have been Chris Jones. It was for it was it was Frank Clark because I think in the Bengals in the Bengals game didn't Chris Jones get his first playoff sack first two playoff sacks oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah which I think, seems impossible for that Chris playoff, Jones but, you know but anyway um yeah that's that's a very good pick and you know looking at the team like you mentioned now we're just looking for talented guys talent around the team and i'm i'm definitely leaning towards boomer bus guys and while i do want to take frank clark i can't keep copying you here so i'm I'm gonna go on the offensive side again for the chiefs i got a eagles receiver let's go with a chiefs receiver but i'm not going with juju i'm sorry juju but he's just he's i've never really seen him have a great game and maybe you know i missed some stuff but even at usc he's just been an always a solid guy, which is why the Chiefs made a trade for a great guy during the season. And he's a little banged up, but Kadarius Tony, I gotta pick him at four. If he's healthy and he's mossing guys, he's definitely gonna be the one to put us above on offense. I mean, this guy was fixing his gloves before he could catch balls, you know. Every time he's on the field and he's fully engaged, healthy in the offense. I mean, he's just a cut above the rest of our other wide receivers. And this game, we're definitely going to be looking to him a lot. Uh, I think I think more than is expected. And I'm just, I mean, especially around the end zone, you know, he's definitely going to get his touchdowns up. I don't know if he's, he's not necessarily a great um, yak guy, yards after catch like MVS, but – He's definitely going to be the possession guy. And when we need a big play, it's third and seven, third and eight. If he's running around, I think he's going to be the guy to get separation. And that's that's why I got to go with Tony at fourth here. Darius Tony is great value right now. 150 to one. I think best value of all the Chiefs receivers. MVS, he's he's kind of interesting. Showed up in the last playoff game, but. I think he's what 50, 60 to one. Let me, uh, he's 60 to one. Yeah. So that, 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 also not, people not, don't know who he is. Like, you kind of got to kind of know. Who he is. Yeah. And could Tony, like, this, the whole story with this guy is he's just never healthy. It seems like even when he was on the Chiefs, maybe he was healthy, but you guys were kind of managing mm-hmm. his minutes a little bit, load management. But I mean, it's the Super Bowl. There's nothing left. It feels like if there's just no excuses, he should go. He should be if Kadarius Tony is ever going to be unleashed, it should be in the last game of the season. And he is at least on a talent level, your most talented receiver. Yeah, uh, I mean, Juju is talented. MVS is talented, but Kadarius Tony first round pick. The guy hasn't really had a chance to show it yet, but in the in the little bit that he's been out there, the flashes have been crazy. So I love that pick. I think Kadarius Tony would probably have been my next pick, but he's off the board. Again, I don't think the value of these Chiefs receivers outside of Tony, just because Tony's odds are so big. Like I said, the talent's there. It feels like if he's going to be unleashed, like, come on, it's the Super Bowl. There are no yeah. excuses for Kadarius Tony, and he's actually saying he's healthy. So I feel like the rest of these Chiefs receivers are kind of off the board for me anyways. Bad Hennings? 
Any? Any? Come in and lead a drive. You can't bet the Chiefs O line, which is unfortunate, but they (laughs) will. They will be important. They will play a role. I think I just again got to go talent. Got to go best guy on the board. I'll take AJ Brown. You have Devontae Smith, who like Boomer Bust. I feel like could probably make. If you told me Devontae Smith made like the three biggest catches in this game, that wouldn't be surprising. Heisman yeah. Trophy, clutch. He is insane. But AJ Brown could break off like a 60 yard touchdown where he runs through three guys late in the game, swings the momentum, all that stuff. He's crazy. It's why you trade for him. 18 to 1. You know, it, it's okay for AJ Brown, but he is an elite talent. And I think with my fifth pick, I think this is where I have to go. AJ Brown off the board. Yeah, with my fifth pick, I'm taking Jason Kelsey. No, um, but it definitely seems I don't know if there's anyone really left on Chiefs offense, you know, worth really taking. And the defense, you know, they're kind of a unit together. So it seems like I'm following you again. We're going with the Eagles offense, and I'm kind of split between Dallas Goddard or Sanders. Um, Goddard has just been a talented tight end, you know, really he hasn't shown up big lately. But he's definitely been a reliable target throughout his time with Philly, especially near the end with Carson Wentz and, um, you know, Minch, whoever they've thrown out there. He's definitely been their biggest target and fully healthy, no injury stuff. But Miles Sanders, on the other hand, you know, running. The thing is, is with Hurts and the way offense is structured, you know, they're going to probably rely a little bit more on him. He's, you know, Miles Sanders isn't going to really have a chance to put up huge rushing numbers. So I'll probably go with Goddard here at the end. It's a little bit of a lay, you know, a little bit of a maybe not realistic, but who knows? You know, if, if something happens to wide receivers, they lock them up and Goddard is just bigger than anyone that they can put on him. And, you know, Hertz is still not 100%, so he may not be flinging it down the field, just going for, you know, down the middle, easy shots while, you know, he maybe rushes a little bit, gets the job done, so... Yeah, I guess fifth pick, fifth and last pick is Dallas Goddard. And the Chiefs cornerback and the Chiefs cornerback play, what Spags is able to get out of that that unit in the on the defense is kind of underrated. They always play really well. They always show up in the playoffs. I mean, Snead has had a great year. McDumphy's a high draft pick, but I don't think those guys are the names, obviously the pedigree of some other cornerback tandems. But they, again, always show up and are always always just really, really solid. And they're going to be in man a lot. It's going to be tricky looks. Maybe Hertz is just, you know, forced to settle check down for the tight end. I can, there is a world. It's a slow, sloppy game. Maybe Goddard randomly gets two touchdowns, 80 yards and touchdowns are really convincing for Super Bowl MVP. I feel like with, yeah. I, with the fifth pick, it's good. It's good value. Let's see here. Uh, got it written down. So recap. I had the first pick. Hassan Reddick, Jarek McKinnon, Shauncey Gardner-Johnson, Chris Jones, and A.J. Brown. You have Devontae Smith, Travis Kelsey, Brandon Graham. Kadarius Toney, I'll trade you like three or four of my picks for Kadarius Toney. I'm just saying. And Dallas Goddard, fifth. I like mine more than yours. I think you took Gardner-Johnson way too early or at all, like. He's one dirty, you know, he's one dirty look away from swinging on someone. I'm just saying, like, he may not even finish the game. Who's the Bucks defender that won it back in the day? They bring in Gruden. They, they're playing the Raiders in the Super Bowl. I think that was Dexter Jackson won the Super Bowl MVP. I think uh, Gardner Johnson has that, like, 
Like, is it? All you know, right. You know, All right. You know, hey, some of this stuff is he's emotional. He's That's emotional, true. but That's you know, it, it can work to your advantage. All right. You make big plays. He's a big, he's a big play guy. I don't really know why the saints traded him to be honest, because he has that. He's not like a, the saints have a lot of those guys where it's like Marshawn Lattimore's like that. He's not like yeah. every play, every game locked in like top cornerback in the league, but he can play at that level. He can get there. He can lock up the better receivers. Johnson, when he is like, when he's just playing emotional, yeah. flying around, he is good. He makes plays. He he makes, hopefully, counting. hopefully, like you said, he can he can uh, stay in the four quarters. I think that is the one thing that's holding this back is can he make can he make it to the end? So it, it's a risky swing, but I think again in the Eagles right. secondary, I want the chaotic energy for the Super Bowl MVP. All right, all right, and look, man, you know he. I mean, he is talented. You know, it's just you know the Saints. All his teammates hate him. Uh, you know, he's, he's the reason Tom, Michael Thomas, you know, there's some big issues there, slant boy and all that, but probably be the least favorite player you could give it to. And you, everybody would be probably. bummed out. Like, this is what y'all get for training. Who knows? It'll be, it'll be a wild, crazy. Shit. I, I don't know. I almost feel like we got to do a bet. Like if Gardner Johnson wins, I don't, I don't know. I got to like burn my Mahomes jersey I don't know I feel like I gotta do something like something drastic has to happen we'll we'll figure it out but yeah some something drastic will happen if Gardner Johnson wins the Super Bowl MVP put in the comments I don't know hit us up on the real DM us any ideas if you guys got ideas of what we should do um but now to the picks, which I think we've already given our picks, but just to solidify it, obviously, I am picking the Chiefs. I totally understand why they're the underdogs going into the game, though. Do you understand why people are counting them out? I do think one of the most interesting bets is having um, the opposite team win the first half and then another team win, this, win the game. So, you know, for y'all out there, my tiny, tiniest bit of sporting betting advice <laughs> the one thing i'd give is definitely hop on that bet because i think that's definitely how the game's going to go regardless either way either the chiefs come out hot and then the eagles defense just crushes them or you know the eagles come out and crush them and then mahomes pulls something out of thin air obviously you gotta go with the chiefs um winning two and five years it's trying to look up what that parlay would be because uh, it's been a pretty odds, popular parlay. I've seen it a lot lately. Like, yeah, it's kind of tempting. I'm gonna have to look into it. That's uh, that's interesting. Yeah. I I don't think we both can pick the Chiefs. I don't think we can do that to our guy Pat Mahomes. That's a jinx. We don't want that. The Eagles are the favorite. They are the deepest, most talented team in the league. Proven or not, they will continue to roll. Jalen Hurts. I've said it all year. You know, I whatever. I, if, if I've said anything complimentary about Pat Mahomes, I take it back. I'm picking the Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Jalen Hurts should be the MVP of the league. Will win the Super Bowl MVP. The Eagles will win. And I hope Pat, I hope Pat Mahomes hears this because uh, the Eagles will be the Super Bowl champions. Hopefully the Instagram real camera was on or something. He sees this clip, just motivates him. Um but you know the Eagles fans are unbearable. I mean, I think I saw one clip they were singing "Fly Eagles, Fly" in church. It was kind of funny, you know. <laughs> Look, it's it's serious over there. Breaking bus stops and all that for championship game. Anywho, I think close the book on the NFL. P 
because the NBA, man, oh, we got a lot, lot, lot to talk about. And we're not even touching all-star snubs, all-star snap, a stat, star draft, all-star rising star draft. Trust me, I am super excited for that next week. Little teaser. I I, I totally forgot about Rising Star, but I I'm a, I'm kind of more excited about Rising Star than All Star. I'm not, I'm not even gonna lie, you know. We're we're but, doing we're doing lock it in in pen chisel it, it in. We're doing the All Star draft for the next pod. We're doing the Rising Star draft. I can't wait. It's gonna be fun. They already did I, it in real life. Sohan's team is stacked, and they're gonna win the whole thing. I don't know if oh, he's they did they did that draft already. Odds on favor right now. Oh, they did the draft already. I think they did it Tuesday. Oh. Okay. All right. Yeah, because I know the all-star one will be done on the court. So right I didn't know they the Yeah, right before the game. So that is interesting. All right, I'll have to take a look after the pot. But some big news in case, uh, I don't know, something, a little small thing happened, you know. The all-time points record was broken last night. LeBron James had 38 points at 38 years old, breaking a 39-year-old record. So he now the total is at 38,390 and counting. And you know what? That sounds like a big number. It sounds like a whole lot of points. But let's really break it down. What do these points mean? Let's look at a little bit of the journey. So LeBron, second point, second most points per 36 for top 30 players in all-time minutes. So players have actually played a lot of minutes. MJ is number one. He's fifth overall in the highest points per game average. So it's not just longevity. It's um, how long. It's actually him scoring a lot per game. And between him and the next two above him, it's a decimal difference. So he's top three all-time pretty much. His lowest scoring average was his rookie season at 20.9 points per game. So about 21 won the scoring title in 07-08. And he currently has the longest streak for double digits, scoring double digits per game at 11,140. An active streak, the longest all-time was Jordan at 866. And the closest other current one is 109, 109. Uh, Joel Embiid, shout out to Tatum at number three at 106. And then last time he did it, score was um only had eight points in 2007 and that wasn't at the end of 2007 that was january 5th of 2007 when he had eight points versus the bucks yes forever ago um got the most assisted by wade at 361 and lebron james has scored on over a thousand five hundred opponents thousand five hundred and ninety seven to be exact Marv Williams has been scored on the most at 11,166. Poor guy. So let's assume LeBron will average 25 points for the next couple seasons, play 60, only 60 games a season, which, again, he's only had one season that he's been below 25 points. I mean, besides rookie year, he's always had 25 or more, and only three full seasons where he had less than 60 games. And those were because of the injury groin, ankle sprain, and then he sat out a little bit last year. Um, and that ankle sprain was rough with Solomon Hill falling on him in the bubble. But anyway, so at the end of next season, should hit over 40,000 points, over 46,000 points in five more seasons. 
And if he can play till he's 45 or in seven seasons, he'll have 49,638. So about 50K is realistic if he can stay till he's 45. Um, and so I think 45 is a realistic goal for him. I, I, or 50K is a realistic goal for him. And it's it's crazy. I mean, he's already dominated uh the the ranking or the rankings in terms of all time stats. Um, when you look at him in the regular season, obviously now he's number one. But then you look at um not just not just with points, but all over the board with assists, he's fourth, minutes, he's third, ninth all time in threes, ninth all time in steals. And then you look at playoffs, he has the most wins, most steals, most minutes, most points. Second and assist, third and threes. It's just, it's just a whole lot, and it's just annoying to see, especially on first take. I'm calling you out, Mad Dog. Why do we gotta start something saying, "Oh, he's not an all-time great scorer"? It's, it's annoying. It's, it's nonsensical. It's why I stop watching those shows, and it's just constant disrespect. And um, him breaking this record is just another accolade for him to add onto his best NBA player career. Shout out to Mad Dog. If Mad Dog wants to come on the pod and talk about LeBron, he's welcome anytime. Chris Russo, shout out. I mean, the if, if you watch that game, I get the Thunder young team. The defense is not that good. It is what it is. But you watch that game and you watch how effortlessly LeBron can get to almost 40 points. The, I mean, he hits that last shot. There's still 10 seconds to go in the third quarter. There's a whole quarter left to play. He could go for 50 if he wanted to. 25 points. For almost two decades, I the guy is an all-time great scorer. He's an all-time great bucket getter. He has, you know, insane scoring performances at the highest level. You you can't doubt him. He is. I mean, go back. You know, I was it was it the take miss? Was it the fake off? Was it the twenty-two face off? I don't know. But you said when he passes Kareem, he will be the NBA goat. He will be the best NBA player of all time. Just with a collection of the on the court stuff, the off court stuff. And this is we're we're here. It happened. I guess, you know, he's now the NBA goat, the greatest NBA player of all time. And it's actually crazy that you have a kid where you don't, you, you put him on the magazine cover. You're telling everybody that this guy is a generational talent. He's the next big thing. The league is really looking for its next player post Jordan. Hasn't really found it yet. Yeah, there are stars in the league. Shaq's dominating. Tim Duncan's at the peak of his powers. Kobe is rounding into full form. I mean, he's going to have 81 points a couple of seasons coming. But you're this this guy is going... I mean, you're telling people this kid is going to be the face of the league in high school. And to have the career that he has had where he could have had a great career. Look at the other guys in his draft class, his draft class like on top of him. Great players, Wade, Mello, Bosch, Hall of Famers, all-time guys. Great. If he was one of those guys, he would not have been a disappointment. He would have lived up to the hype. But to come out and smash the records the way he has, break the scoring record, constantly you know, lead teams to titles, throw teams on his back, it's just it's crazy. And to watch him do it where you're watching him like stand next to Kareem and you're like, this guy is still like, obviously he's, He's a little older now, but he's at the peak of his powers. He looks amazing. He's dunking. He's doing everything. He's the top. Basketball is sometimes, it's still just all a big like AAU tournament. And 
LeBron is just the kid at the AU turn. He's like, you look at this kid coming in. You're like, oh yeah, he's going to clean up and dominate this whole thing. And he actually comes through and he, he broke the scoring record. It's actually crazy that the guy who has chosen tattooed on his body, like actually is the guy that is maybe the greatest NBA player in NBA history. It's wild that it actually happened. It is. It is wild. And you know, 50 K 50, 10 and 10. You're telling me that that's, that's an actual possibility. That is realistic. I mean, if he, I mean that, and that's if he drops down, you know, significantly and plays 60 out of 82 games, which we already know, you know, like we mentioned, he plays almost every, he played definitely over 60 for most of his career. It's an anomaly. I mean, something serious have to happen. And then last year, there's just no chance of the team doing anything. But, you know, when you look at his career, you can do a similar kind of split up like Tom Brady, where, he has three Hall of Fame careers. Uh, looking at it from 2003 to 2010, he averages 27.8, 7 and 7, six All Stars, two MVP, uh, two MVPs. Then a little bit going into his Miami time, the next seven years, 2010 to 2017, he's still averaging 26 and point and a half, seven, seven and a half, seven and yeah, seven rebounds and then seven assists. And seven-time All-Star, two-time MVP, three champs, three-time champs, and three-time Finals MVP. And then 2017 to present day, 27 and a half, eight and eight, six All-Stars, one uh, ring, and a Finals MVP. So, you know, obviously length is what matters with the NBA and all that. Um, But, I mean, it's a solid case for three Hall of Fame careers which, you know, we already know they let everyone in in the NBA, but it's just just astounding to see how how long he's been great for against, you know, the modern NBA top cutting edge. I mean, people are way better at recovering, taking care of themselves. And I know we've all been through this back and forth with the MJ LeBron back and forth, but just the way he's taking care of his body from day one, how he's just generally been great and at all stats, not just one thing, which, you know, when you look at other players, you know, we love Curry, but his, he has his main thing. Now he has many other things, which he's great at, but in terms of being at a top level, it's, it's his threes. And you look at other players, they have their niche, but for LeBron, he's just been great at all aspects of the game on and off the court at, for such a long time. And one of the most interesting things, always got to shout out the ringer, ring of Brian Russell. One of the greatest things is when you look at Kareem's career, he kind of slid, it was kind of a slow trot into breaking the record. You know, I think he was at well, what 20 points a game around the time he broke it. It was like 14, somewhere there. And LeBron is seventh in NBA scoring right now, averaging. So he's zooming right into it. I mean, he's, he's still producing at an elite level in the league at this age. So it's just a different level of scoring, of athleticism at the age he's at. I mean, something we've never seen before. And he's definitely showing no signs of slowing down right now. To be the face of the NBA off the court as well, to be at the forefront of the player empowerment, the business stuff, you know, a lot of that stuff, the ripple effects through the league, whatever it does to his reputation, like I, a lot, maybe like guys that are older than us, guys that have watched basketball longer guys, you know, the MJ, they saw Bill Russell. They saw these other great guys. 
they can get annoyed with some of the off the court stuff that with LeBron he's been in the league. So, you know, so long now, I mean, he doesn't need us like sitting here, like talking about how great he is. Everybody's talking about it, but I, this, this is the guy from our generation. That is, this is the best basketball player that you and me have ever watched on a basketball court. He's still at the peak of his powers. 20 years later, he influences basketball decisions off the court. He's going to own a team and be present in the league, you know, for many, many years to come be just continue to be a major face part of the organization. So it, 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 all of it's incredible. It's insane that it happened. It's, you know, it's, it's funny that you're going to watch the highlight and look at the score and they're going to be losing and you're going to go and look at the record of the team and they're going to be the 13th seed in the Western conference. And, you know, all that stuff aside, the moment was great. Historic moment. The Lakers season, I mean, we'll get into there's stuff to talk about. There's breaking news happening with the Lakers. Things are going down. Maybe they're able to turn this around a little bit, but to stop, to have that moment, I, it, it's not a team that he's connected with like Miami even, and obviously not connected with it like Cleveland, but being in LA where there's just a presence and a star level there that you can't get in any other city. It's a stage unlike any other. And the fact that he was able to break that record on the stage and just an historic basketball franchise, people in that arena are, they're just aware of what's going on. They're very respectful of the moment. And just everybody is in agreement that this is awesome. It, you know, you're wondering what is it going to be like him breaking it in front of these fans? Well, it's an incredible moment, all time stuff. So I get, you know, not another, not another LeBron is awesome segment, but you know, he he broke the scoring record. It's unbelievable that he was once the kid on the magazine. But yeah, I guess LeBron is awesome. What do you say? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he definitely deserves it for breaking a record that, you know, I don't know if anyone really thought it'd be broken for another 39 years. And no place in the world knows how to treat a star like L.A., especially for the Lakers, and that he was able to break it in that arena, have all those people there. And one of another interesting points brought up uh, again by Rasilla was the way the NBA treated it was really, I mean, it was great. I mean, one of the things you point out like with NFL is when Tom Brady has broke the record for most passing touchdowns, you know, went to commercial, came back and that was it. With this one, there was like nine, 10 seconds and a half or the quarter or third quarter. And they didn't care. They didn't care. They just shut it down. They said, we're shutting down this game. The commissioner is going to come out here and he's going to announce it. And, and and another reason we love the league is, you know, thankfully, a lot of the NBA legends are still alive. And quite literally, Kareem, you know, passed off the record to LeBron. And just having that pageantry, what it means for the league, it's just, you know, it's just little things like that that really set leagues apart and bring significance to this moment. And definitely having like ESPN you know, pumping it up for the whole year definitely helped. But it was the best city, pretty much in my opinion, definitely the best city to have the event. He had his family there, all his friends. It was all set up. He knew, I mean, he planned it out. He knew it was going to happen. LeBron is probably, you know, greatest showman in sports, definitely up there. And it's just, I just, I love the whole moment, similar to with Curry, where they stopped the game. They appreciated the moment. You know, while they didn't have as much courts, you know, right there at the court, then, you know, after the game, he's there with Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, you know, they all have jerseys, they all appreciate. 
And it's the same thing with here. And, you know, Kareem may look like he didn't really want to give up that record. You know, I don't know if the captain was ready to give up that ship, but, you know, it's definitely, definitely one of one of my favorite moments in recent memory of the league, you know, just seeing the past being the torch being passed and, It'll, it'll definitely it's definitely it's history it's history i mean we don't have stuff like this happen every day like we mentioned 40 years pretty much and um it's it, you know like we mentioned lebron's great and um, it, it's not gonna stop anytime soon and the numbers came back for this game as well and i think it was it you know forgive me if i'm wrong but i think it's the highest viewed non-season opener in like the last five years over 3 million viewers, close to 4 million viewers when LeBron hit the shot and break the record. You know, basketball fans are tuning in, all-time stuff. Great to just see, like, that, That just to know that that happened as well, to know that this was record-breaking stuff that every basketball fan in the world was tuned in. All eyes were on L.A. that night. Crazy. Who knows if, you know, you or me will ever see, like, that actually happen again in our life. Like, 40 years, you know, it could happen again, scoring now. Maybe they add a four-point line. You know, guys are able to get points more quickly. Some guy comes in, you know, Curry missed a lot of time at the beginning of his career. Some, like, yeah. new version of Steph Curry comes in, dominates from start to finish, does the whole... May, maybe that happens 40, 50 years from now, but who knows? The record, like you said, he's going to push this to 50K. The numbers are going to be crazy. It's like looking at Brady going, wait a second, this guy has over, like, 100,000 passing yards playoff in regular season. It's just, like... What is this? Like this, if LeBron is putting up 50,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, 10,000 assists, like who's who in our lifetime is actually going to actually score 50,000 points in a regular season again? I get anybody that says this guy is not an all time scorer is out of their mind. Out of their mind. And, you know, there's Doncic, Giannis. We can throw some names out. And I think they're the closest ones, but we'll have to see. And I think Giannis is the only close one with like 10% chance, even that. So. Yeah, ten percent is ten percent is a small chance. Not even close. Not even close. So we've been hinting about it all pod, tap dancing around it, but as as we were preparing for the pod, a woge bomb dropped from the sky, exploded in our faces, and we got to deal with the mess. Russell Westbrook finally, finally gets traded to the Jazz. Obviously, there's a lot more, so we'll run through it real quick. Lakers get D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, uh, Vanderbilt. Timberwolves get Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Mike Conley, a 2024 swap, two second-rounders from the Jazz. And the Jazz get the prize of the trade? I don't think so, but we'll talk more about it. Russell Westbrook, the 2027 pick from the Lakers that they're trying to, LeBron was trying to prize so hard from them. Top four protected. And Juan Toscano Anderson, as well as Damian Jones. You know what? I'm feeling like first take here, Rem. Who won the trade? Who lost the trade? What, what's the what's the big takeaway we take from this trade? Well, we just talked about LeBron trying to break the scoring record. Russell Westbrook was, I think, also trying to break the scoring record last night as well. He was at least playing like it. He was out of his mind. Chaotic. Didn't know what was going on, and less than 24 hours later, like right when we get on the call, like right when it right when it happens, Woj drops the tweet. We get the news. Russell Westbrook is on the move. You mentioned there's only one pick in there. I thought the Lakers had two big two picks. 
what's going on, but the Lakers to get to flip Westbrook and like was it only one of those picks and to get back Russell Beasley and Vanderbilt like this team is a long ways through the 13 seed. I think title aspirations realistically are out the window. I don't think anybody's seriously looking at this team as going, yeah, this team's going to win the title. LeBron and Davis are there. That's going to be tough to play in any playoff matchup, tough to play in any game. Those are two, you know, top 10 guys when they're at their peaks, when they're rolling, but the roster around doesn't obviously it's not a title team, but could this team limp into the play in game? Could if they're healthy, LeBron, now they're in the play in game, one game, and now all of a sudden, what do you, we're the, we went from the 13 seed and a couple weeks later, we're in the playoffs. We're playing Denver. Denver, you know, if this team is fully healthy, is an interesting matchup versus this team. It's just who knows what happens if this team can get a little bit better, keep lipping forward. And these are three guys that they can actually put in their lineup, insert right away. The rumors that you're hearing floating around, we'll get to the Kyrie trade in a minute, but it's, you know, are they going to turn Westbrook into Kyrie? Are they going to trade him to Indiana for Buddy Heald? Miles Turner, like it, is he going? Is it Terry Rozier coming back from Charlotte? This feels like this was not rumored up until very recently that the Russell and the Jazz and all these teams were involved. But for Westbrook and one of the picks, this feels like one of the best possible things that they actually could have gotten. I, I, I don't know. The the Lakers definitely won this trade. They won it big, and I know you're counting them out, saying they're not there, but. I, you know, I don't. Is it time for Hot Take Timmy to peek his head? I don't think we need to count out the Lakers. I think they might be a dark horse to make a serious run in the playoffs. Now let's look. Let's look at the other teams that have to get through. So, um, obviously they're not going to be a top team. You know, we're counting out the Nuggets. Who knows with their injuries? Grizzlies. I think that was another team that really needed to make a trade. We'll talk more about it later. But they they really need to move Desmond Bay. Now I think people are talking about for Kevin Durant, but. If they stay the same, that's 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 a little scary for them because their offense really gets predictable at the end of the game. You got the Kings who, you know, we like them. They're, they're a good story, but they're like Chicago Bulls two years ago who had the number one seed or the Cavs. We know they're not going to be – it's not going to be serious in the playoffs. The Clippers, how many – I mean, is Paul George and Kawhi Leonard really going to play all the games? How healthy are they going to be? Are they serious contenders? Are you going to take them seriously? The Suns, you know, on a little winning streak. You know, I'm not until Booker comes out there and plays for a month. You know, we can't take him seriously. The Mavericks, you know, who knows? There, Kyrie's there. We'll talk about that more. But who knows if he makes that team combust on its own? Warriors, Curry's in and out. You know, do we can we trust Curry? Like again, you know, I, I don't know if their favorite Pelicans are injured. Uh, Timberwolves, like we mentioned, they've lost a lot of talent, and Jazz are going to start tanking here. Thunder Trailblazers. Anyway, long story short. The Lakers have gone out. They've gotten uh, some long, switchy, big defenders. You know, Malik Beasley is a solid two-way guy. Look at Rory, Rui Hachimura, solid guy. Pat Bev can get in people's heads. They're making these games close. And now you bring in a scorer like D'Angelo Russell. I think he should come off the bench, just run his own thing. He can put up points. If it's not working, you have Schroeder instead. But I really like having Schroeder as their their main point guard, because we know at the end of the game, LeBron's going to have the ball anyway. Thomas Bryant works his butt off. I mean, he really tries out there, and that's what you need, effort guys. 
you know, maybe they could get one or two more interesting pieces off the bench. If Austin Reeves, you know, he's an interesting guy from like, if he's your sixth, seventh guy. So we got Anthony Davis and LeBron James. If they're completely healthy in a playoff series with four or five tall, decent switch guys and against these teams that aren't as solid, as long as AD is healthy in the playoffs, I got to say the Lakers would be dark horse to make a deep run. Now, winning a ring, they're not winning the championship, but I could definitely see them make the conference finals with this team if AD and LeBron are healthy and their whole team is healthy and they're rolling. And this this team was maybe, of any team with playoff hopes, any team that was trying to win games, this was probably the worst three through 10 of any team in the league. You just look at the... They lost all their depth. They brought in these young guys, Lonnie Walker, Toscano Andrew. It's like, what moves or what team are we actually, Troy Brown, what are we actually trying to do here? And now that three through 10 is, you know, D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura. And then we get to, okay, now we're at Austin Reeves, Schroeder. But now now we're down the list. You know, now there's guys, now this is an NBA roster. I mean, put put LeBron and Davis with the three guys that they got from this ta- from this trade. LeBron, Davis, Russell, Beasley, Vanderbilt. That's a better lineup than the Lakers have had all season. So to do that, to only give up one of those picks when we thought all all offseason teams were going to have to get Westbrook and the two picks. And to do that, to keep that pick with a deal that involves Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge is famous for fleecing these teams for sneaking extra asset for you know getting one or two extra things that he shouldn't get from a trade and if anybody's going to get Westbrook and the Lakers picks it's going to be Ainge he's only able to get one and they give up a lot of guys I mean D'Angelo Russell back on the Lakers has been sneaky kind of good since Carl Anthony Towns has been hurt D'Angelo Russell without Carl Anthony Towns has been 20 points a game almost six assists 48.5% from the field and 42% from three. 40% three-point shooter. Beasley is 38% from three for his career. Vanderbilt's a hustle guy. So there's things here. I think, you know, night to night, looking at it, could this team make a play-in run? And then, you know, going forward, is this team feisty in the playoffs? This is a deeper two or three through 10 than they had going before. Actual NBA guys on this team now, they actually can put real lineups on the floor. And if you think about it, LeBron, if he puts up, what, 25, 26? I mean, he doesn't even need to put up his ultra best. But we've seen AD when he's rolling this season. We've seen him put up MVP numbers. And then in the playoffs, you know, his his physicality is definitely going to help. And if you have D'Angelo Russell, like we mentioned, coming off the bench, you just give him, let him, let him cook pretty much. So far this season, he's averaging a career high in field goal percentage, three-point percentage, and free throw percentage. Finishing at an elite rate around the rim, 64% on layups and dunks, top 10 amongst guards. So, D'Angelo Russell, he's playing great right now. Now, I know there's some people, you know, you actually watch the film. He has issues, stuff like that. So, that's why I wouldn't have him mostly play with the top two stars. But LeBron doesn't need, like, he needs pretty much one decent player, one great player, obviously. But then around that, he just needs a bunch of solid guys. I mean, we saw it with the 
um, with the Cavs where, you know, 2016, where he gets it done. And as long as he has one all-time great guy who AD has shown, he can still hit that level as long as he's healthy. And you look around him and there's, you know, D'Angelo Russell's been in the league for a while. I mean, these aren't necessarily, you know, the best veterans, but they're guys who, you know, you're not really bringing in any rookies, not really first timers, but guys who played a couple games and, you know, have been around the league. They, they know what to do. They know their roles. You're not really going to have a lot of drama, you know, maybe with Russell, I guess, you know, last time he was with LA, we, I mean, the whole reason why he was traded was because of drama, but pretty much long short of it is as long as they stay healthy if they can stay together and AD actually, you know, they just need to, like you mentioned, get into the playing tournament, destroy whoever's there, you know, have Pat Bev cry again, winning it, who knows, and get into the playoffs. And who knows, they're facing some banged up team, you know, and this team knows what to do. I, I definitely, I, I think we shouldn't count them off just because of the heights that AD reached earlier this season. And they got rid of, you know, probably one of their biggest headaches. I mean, he was arguing, like you mentioned, he was arguing in the halftime of the last game when the spotlight wasn't about him. And you're bringing in players who, you know, have got, who are solid players. And they they bring, you know, there's definitely a floor. The floor has really risen with this team, at least. And all these guys are actually upgrades. That's the thing. All these guys are better players. I don't think any, you know, those three guys, there's not like a defensive stopper. They're not filling all of the needs that this team has. Yeah, you know, can we bring in some better defenders? Can we get guys that are more switch? D'Angelo Russell's not locking up anybody on the perimeter. They were already having major. I mean, Schroeder is there. Reeves is, Reeves competes. He tries, but they don't really have anybody to stop Curry, Jamal Murray, any of these guys, Devin Booker. But these guys are upgrades. Better shooters. D'Angelo Russell, 40%. Beasley's a better shooter. At least upgrade something. It was hard to think that they could use the Westbrook Westbrook asset to upgrade this drastically to to use your six man essentially and flip that into an entire lineup to get a lineup that you can throw out there and it, it's better than any lineup you have. Yeah, you know, at the these guys might not be the end. Of, these are not the best like NBA guys. This is not a trade that like they're not going to win the title. It's not a trade that's moving the needle that much, but they actually got a lineup. That is a competent lineup now. They have some depth. They're in a better spot now. And essentially traded Westbrook, yeah, who is your sixth man who's coming off the bench. And now you have starter level guys. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, looking at some other teams' rosters, on you know, obviously with the Jazz, they were, you know, trying to consolidate a little bit, you know, probably, you know, get rid of some other guys on their roster as well. And who knows, maybe they're going for it a little bit, bringing in Westbrook um, because, you know, marketing has really taken a step this year uh, more than anyone else could have guessed. And now, you know, it definitely, it's definitely going to be interesting, a little bit head scratching for the jazz, you know, cause it's not necessarily too much tanking, you know, you only get one pick out of the deal, but you know, maybe they're, maybe they're going for it a little bit this year. Um, and with the thun, uh, with the Timberwolves, I mean, it was just, it was bound to happen, you know, just giving the reins to, uh, Anthony Edwards, he was definitely the guy. And I definitely think, you know, it was definitely a smart move for the Timberwolves to finally clear out the way and pretty much make this, um, ants, ants team. And Conley 
Same with Russell Conley's an expiring contract as well. So you don't have to commit long-term money to that point guard position, but you're still able to get some stability there. And do you, are we both, do we both have Nikhil Alexander stock? Cause I, I like him. I think he's actually kind of like yeah. a nice young guy. You know, there's always these big trades. They happen the big pieces. They go back and forth, but there's always like a throw in that just, you go, Hey, how, how did the T wolves get Nikhil Alexander in the Westbrook trade? Nice guy. I think he could contribute for this team to pick swaps, whatever, but we both have stock, right? Yeah, no, I definitely like them. I mean, I, I was surprised, you know, I guess the Pelicans couldn't really pay him. Had to let him go, but yeah, no, I definitely like, I've definitely liked what I've seen. And, you know, like you mentioned, kind of thrown in just like Jared Allen and, and yep. uh, the yep. Cavs trade, you know, trade to Cavs. It's, you know, may problem. I, I could regret it later and who knows they, I mean, the Timberwolves might need him too. You know, if, you know, once Conley, you once he's getting older, you start phasing him out, and then you have above him, you have McLaughlin, Rivers is out, and Noel. So Alexander Walker could really seriously fight for that starting spot. Um, and I mean, he definitely has, you know, obviously more potential than Conley, and definitely could see him starting games pretty soon here for the Timberwolves. We actually think Conley is is Conley an upgrade from Russell. Maybe he's a better fit. Maybe that's what matters at the end of the day. But I mean, 20 and 20 points a game, six assists, 40% from three. They've also, they I think they've their numbers have gone up as well as a duo when both Towns and Gobert are out. And that makes sense. You know, the load's going to be shifted more into your stars, whatever. But they have elevated their play when they needed to. And maybe the fit stuff doesn't work out that well. But I, again, I think Russell's actually playing kind of decent. I don't I, long-term maybe just committing everything it to Anthony Edwards is the right move for the Timberwolves at the end of the day. I get that. But just as a competitive basketball thing, I don't know if Mike Conley makes them, them better anyways. No, no, but you know, Alexander Walker though, could definitely, definitely probably. And um, you know, who knows if he's trying on defense, he could play a little point next to Edwards long-term. Exactly. He can play both yeah, yeah. spots. Yeah, for sure. For sure. A combo combo deal there. And speaking of guards, other trade that happened, Kyrie headed to the Mavs. Uh, uh, Doncic gets the help he needs. The Dallas gets Kyrie Irving and Mark Markeith Morris, while Brooklyn gets Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, uh, second rounder, two second rounders, and a first unprotected 2029 first rounder. Kyrie. Been asking to leave Brooklyn. They get the deal done pretty quick. KD is stunned. You know, they're now talking about how to move forward with the franchise. And I, I was looking at a graphic recently, and you look at it, and the three, the big three, I think only played 19 games together, maybe 19 playoff games. Maybe we're getting that wrong, but definitely well, that team in total definitely played less than 30 point, 30 games together and even with that in mind i don't know what brooklyn was supposed to do you have Kyrie and katie wanting to come to your team i still think every franchise does that and that's the hardest part of this situation is that you know brooklyn really tried to cater to these guys and now it's kind of falling apart you know spencer didwitty is a nice player but you know if ben simmons or him is your second best player what are you really doing and, you know, it's it's just sad to see, you know, this team, which there was so much hope for it. 
And now, you know, now probably one of the biggest what ifs ever is, you know, what if KD's toe was a little smaller, you know, and they get past the Bucks. But now the Nets got to pick up the pieces and move on. And what what's your advice for the Nets moving forward? Trade KD or keep it rolling? Kevin Durant, in many ways, has tried to model himself. Well, not model himself, but he has copied several of the things that LeBron James has done over his career. Jumping teams. And one of the things he... Yeah, he he makes the move to Golden State. It's semi-like the decision, but one of the things about LeBron going to Miami was he formed that team with all-star basketball players, but players that were his friends as well. Wade, Bosh, guys that he really liked. Again, these guys were close. They were hanging out on boats together. KD, he was, yeah, he was trying to do that in Brooklyn. He said, hey, I want to have, you know, an elite basketball situation, but I want to do it with guys I like. Well, who who in the NBA do I know that I like? Well, I know Kyrie. I know James Harden. Hey, you guys, come over here to Brooklyn. Let's see if we, we can win titles. And he ended up with the sitcom version of what LeBron was trying to do in Miami. James Harden obviously balloons up, doesn't even, barely makes it. 12 months on the team before he asks out gets traded to the team January 16th, 2021. And then has that infamous Sacramento game, February 2nd, 2022. One of the worst performances we've seen on a basketball court in recent years. That was the last time he stepped on floor for Brooklyn. Setting that aside, you know, Durant, he's trying to come to this team because yes, having fun with your friends too, but he's trying to build a legacy for himself outside of that golden state situation. And, you know, setting aside the fact that attaching to yourself to Kyrie and James Harden has been super tumultuous, you know, Durant himself requested a trade. Let's not forget that he wanted out at one point, but going forward, these guys are gone. And I think you and me both have actually kind of liked some of the moves that the Nets have made as an organization. We kind of like some of the young guys, some of the pieces that are in place. And just as a basketball situation, we said this about Kevin Durant when he requ- when he requested the trade in the offseason. But KD, you, you got to commit to Brooklyn. I don't know what you're doing. I mean, it's been you know a couple days now since Kyrie requested the trade. A couple days now since the trade has actually come through and been confirmed. And Durant, their meetings are, he's meeting with Brooklyn about the future of the Nets, of the organization. And like I said, we'll go through the pieces, but I think actually getting rid of these guys was the last piece to creating a stable organization. You know, we talked about last week about how, you know, all these NBA teams that are good NBA teams right now have been built organically. They've been built through the draft. They've been built through smart moves. And Brooklyn was actually kind of, they were doing those things. But again, the one bad thing that they had going for them was this James Harden, Kyrie, these superstars that they were catering to. This was not going well. And now that those pieces are gone, well, all the other things that they've done, again, are kind of nice. So KD, I mean, you got to come out. I think he has to commit to Brooklyn. I think if he wants to build his legacy as well, like you actually have a chance to build a competitive team here. I think if Durant is doing the Durant stuff that he was doing, the offensive level that he was at, that 1920 game stretch before he got hurt was just, it was peak Durant. It was otherworldly. It was all time stuff that he was, but if he can do that, like this team can still be competitive in the East is still, this team can still make a deep playoff run. I, there, there's still good pieces here. And I, you know, we'll again, dig into it a little bit more, but 
I think KD honestly has to come out, and I think Brooklyn, at least for now, I think is still the best place for him to be. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I guess I'll just pretty much say flat out nah. I mean, the thing is with KD, he's, he's, he's tried this experiment before. He's been there too long. All the stars are gone. And I love the Nets, you know, like we mentioned, we love some of their players because Cam Thomas is on Fuego right now, uh, averaging. Wait, wait, let me pull it up. I had it here real quick. Averaging last three games, 44.7 points, 56 from the field, 56 from three, 90% from the free pro line. And, you know, they've gone one and two in those games, but golly, is he on fire right now. And so – with with pieces like that, you know, Nick Claxton, we've been like on this team. You got Ben Simmons. You got Spencer Dinwiddie. You got, you know, you got Seth Curry. He's out, but TJ Warren's still on this team. Why not just trade KD and go back to the old days? Remember those old fun days? Yeah, they weren't doing too much. But yeah, DeAndre Russell, guys jumping on the bench. But they just had pieces everywhere. They had great players everywhere. Karis LeVert, um, Jared Allen. They were an interesting, frisky team. And now you bring in KD, you bring Kyrie. It makes sense. You go down the superstar route. It doesn't work out, which, you know, no one can fault them for because they literally did everything they could. And now you got KD. He's still still a, can bring you great value on the, on, on the trade. Memphis right now needs to make a big move. They need to make something to go above and beyond because um, right now, I mean, their their team is just too predictable. And Desmond Bain with some other players being thrown in there, I think that's the best option for both teams because Kevin Durant actually gets a viable chance to win the championship because he's not let, – we'll get into the bucks later. But he's not, he's not beating any of those top three elite teams with the team he has now. There's just no way. Hey, I mean, Ben Simmons can barely score more than 10 points a game. You know, we like Spencer Dinwiddie, but, like, in a playoff series as a number two guy, like, that's not happening. And, you know, Cam Thomas, you know, we love him, but, you know, it's kind of a flash in the pan. So, if I'm KD, Grizzlies are the smartest move right now, and the Grizzlies actually have the assets to go get him, and they need a star, and bringing Desmond Bain and literally one or two of any other of the Grizzlies players, because I kind of like that roster one through 15. Heck, they throw in some picks in there too. Then you not only have a, a really good score, you know, Desmond Bain's kind of at that stage, like claim Thompson is prime where you're like, what if he had his own team? Who knows? So let's let him, let's run that. Let's try that. You have Cam Thomas in there, Seth Curry. Maybe there are too many cooks in the kitchen at that point. Who knows? But, you know, Ben Simmons, you just let the guys play. young, All young players. I mean, Nick Claxton, Ben Simmons, all these guys are pretty young. None of them are really in their prime of their careers. Maybe Seth Curry's a little older. You know, Joe Harris. There's just, there's just so many shooters and 3 and D guys on this team when you add Desmond Bain, when you add whoever Memphis wants to throw in there, that I, I just like that way better than trying to trudge it out with KD. You're still in this kind of weird, awkward stage. There's still a cloud hanging over the team. Just wipe the slate clean. Grizzlies want him. They need him. I mean, and I don't know if there's really a better time because if Katie goes in the playoffs, 
have another bad playoffs, get swept again, something bad, he gets injured, banged up, then his trade value goes down. Who knows if you get the same price? Now you got to deal with still paying him, all that jazz. So I just think wipe it clean, get him out of there, and just run it back. And you're going to bring in players who have shown flashes. I mean, almost, I mean, looking at the all the players we mentioned, they've all shown flashes. I mean, Desmond Bain has, you know, there's been some really interesting moments. And, you know, we could go through the whole thing again. But right now it's looking like, this team just needs to start it over. Maybe even give the keys to Ben Simmons. Who knows? You could do him and five shooters around him, or f- four shooters around him, you know. I mean, they definitely have four shooters to accommodate that and see what happens because it's it's just not – they're just not going to win. They're not going to win anything with KD and a bunch of guys. It would seem that I, – I do agree that this team is probably not going to beat the Bucks in a playoff series, probably not going to beat the Celtics in a playoff series. But I think I would have thought that if they had Kyrie as well. And I think Kyrie, the the player that he is and the stats that he puts up, I think he can hypnotize you and trick you into thinking that he is a more impactful basketball player than he is. I think he can fool you. And the 27-5-5 this year, I think they're going to be able to replace that. Dinwiddie, you bring him in. He is already 17 points a game. I mean, if you want to count Finney Smith's nine points a game, they're right there at the 26 point a game mark, but could you get, you know, extra points a game from Curry? He hits a couple more shots. We've seen cam Thomas step up. I mean, you mentioned the scoring numbers he's put up over the last three games. He has put up 134 points over the last three games. And he's been doing it really efficiently as well, too. He's done it on only 75 field goal attempts. Only three other, uh, excuse me, only four other guys in NBA history have had, 130 points on that few field goal attempts. Elgin in 60, West in 61, Kobe in 2002, and Dame Lillard in 19. So I think Kyrie's impact. I think Kyrie's impact. Yeah, I, Cam Thomas. I think they'll be able to get the scoring numbers there. I think they'll be able to replace his impact, quote unquote. I mean, he leads the league in fourth quarter, quarter scoring. He's a magical handle. All that. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But I think on the court, they'll be able to replace his impact. And I think their competitive level this season, if all these guys get, especially if Cam Thomas can come in and just be like a pretty good score for him, you know, like a heat check microwave off the bench type guy. I think the competitive level of this team remains the same. And I think big picture for Durant, I think him jumping to, and I, you know, the Brooklyn thing fell apart. I think people would give him more of a pass for it, but you know the Grizzlies are one of the team that one of the teams that could come in and swoop, swoop in and get him. The Suns, I think, are the other team that are potentially going to make a run at him. And if he goes into one of these situations that is already, the Suns have already been in the finals. The Grizzlies won fifty games last year. You know they're a top tier team in the Western Conference. If he goes into another ready built situation, even if he pushes that over to the top and win the title, he's going to have all these rings where people just go. Yeah, excuses and asterisks, and these teams were already good and whatever. And it's just you have. I think this Brooklyn thing, legacy wise, I think it's worth giving a shot. And I think this team can still be as competitive as they were with Kyrie if these guys, especially, can come in and they got the they got competitive pieces. And if they can get good production from like Cam Thomas, Curry hits a couple of shots. I think they can still be as competitive as they would have been in the Eastern Conference. No, I think I think that's a good point. They will be as competitive as they were in the Eastern Conference. 
The thing is, is what's the point of playing the games? Is to win championships. And for the Nets, long-term wise, keeping KD on the roster is not going to be good for you long-term because you know you're not re-signing him. I mean, he's, he's not going to come back to your team. And you know his trade value, like, while it may rise a bit, I mean, if he goes crazy in the playoffs, I don't know how much it can rise from where it's at right now. You know, he, he's pretty much made his, his, his values pretty much stuck at where it's at. So, you know, the asset isn't going to keep appreciating. It can only keep depreciating and you're already not going to win the championship. So looking at it long-term, you know, and who knows, he wanted to get traded. That's another thing. He wants to leave. And the only reason why he ended it is because the season started and everyone said, nah, like we don't want you, bro. So he, he's someone who wants to leave. He wants to dip. He's shown the team that he doesn't want to be around him. His only other teammates gone now. And the main reason that he came. So he has no reason to stay, even if he had one, which he didn't in the first place. And like you mentioned, he will have the same competitive chance, but with how stacked the East is, it's just, you know, it, it feels kind of useless going at it again because you know what's going to happen. And considering how bad it was last year against the Celtics, just getting swept, which they did go on to be the finals runner-up. Well, those games, though. League. Yeah, it was close. That's the point. And I think it was all those games are within season. six points. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was the second, you know, second-best team in the league. You know, they weren't playing bums. Well, we'll give them that. You know, it was close games. They were showing up. But when the alternative is let's bring in guys who we can build on for the next 10 years, really build something here, maybe even trade them, put them together for a package for another star, try it again, sign someone, you know, run that train again. It's that it definitely, while the short term, it makes interest, you know, for Katie's legacy, maybe. But at this point, Katie's not going to win a ring with his team. And his legacy is already tainted with, you know, already with the Warriors. So, you know, I, I think you should just go all in. Who knows? I mean, I understand running it back, but I think but he doesn't want to be there. And I don't understand why he would want to stick around if Kyrie was the only reason he came in the first place. I mean, it's it's pretty much I personally think it's useless to stick around because you're just you know what's going to happen. You know, if they even somehow squeak out, you know, six, seven game win series, they're probably going to get, you know, beaten pretty bad in the second round. And Katie doesn't have that many elite years left, let alone elite miles left, especially in the playoffs. So, you know, it's it's definitely going to hurt his career, obviously, to go to another team to ring chase. But it's what he's been doing. And at this point, and the Grizzlies, you know, that could be a similar situation with the Nets where he won. He was ring chasing still, but he was going to be the best player on the team. And for if he's on the Grizzlies, the way they're gonna win, KD's gonna be the best player on the team. You know, John Morant may have obviously great games himself, but when it comes down to it, KD's probably gonna be the guy to be the difference maker. So he'll still end up getting what he wants. And I mean, he's not gonna recover his reputation any more than winning a championship as the number one guy on a loaded team, anyway. So, you know, I think the best result happens on the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, and you know, it's it's definitely I think it's his best option, but we'll see. We'll see in the next coming, I guess, coming hours, because you know, the deadline's done tomorrow. But my message out to you, Katie, is you know, you tried, you stuck it out, even though you wanted to leave. But I think now's the time to go. And the Grizzlies are a great team 
who will love to have you. They can put out the Nets can put out a lineup now that is Claxton, Durant, Finney Smith, Royce O'Neal. And if Ben Simmons can handle the ball a little bit more, go back to maybe more point Simmons, run the offense through. I mean, he's probably not going to be looking for a shot, but if you can play him at the point guard, I mean, Claxton, Durant, Finney Smith, O'Neal, and Simmons is kind of a crazy defensive lineup. There's a lot of versatility there, a lot of switching. They can sub, you know, O'Neal, Simmons, they can mix in Curry, Thomas. They have versatility there. A lot of these guys, too, have contracts. Harris, they still, Joe Harris, they still have under contract. Finney Smith's contract is nice. Curry, they have assets. And the draft picks, we've mentioned, they've hit on them. Claxton this year could be on all defense. Cam Thomas is going to lead the league. And Cam Thomas is probably going to be the MVP of the league next year. Score 40 points a game. Dayron Sharp even, too, like, they drafted him. He's come in and had some nice moments. I kind of sneaky trust this Nets organization because, again, those only bad moves are tied to those superstars. And when the Nets are making moves independent of those superstars, when the basketball guys are just, you know, they're doing what they want to do, making moves. They're good moves. The draft picks have hit, the trades, the signings. Like, we both love Seth Curry. That's a free agent you want to bring in. Royce O'Neal was a good signing. TJ Warren. They have an idea of a team they want to build around Durant. And they even continue to copy that team in this trade as well. Like they actually got win now guys. They replace Curry's, you know, they replace Irving's ball handling with Dinwiddie. They add another wing with Finney Smith. Like this team knows what they want. They've been able to add to it. They get good guys. I trust this Nets organization. And Durant is under contract there for, you know, a couple of years. They have assets. I just think it's worth giving this a shot. You can be traded in the offseason. You can be traded at the next trade deadline. Just to see, because again, I think legacy-wise, if you actually build something on your own, this team has assets. They can make more moves. The Simmons piece is not to be underrated. Like that could be a trade. That could be, you know, also an all that could be defensive player of the year. And your point guard just if he just, you know, wakes up, if he just gets unlocked one day and you know, reaches his potential. So I this this team, I think, still can do things. And I think the front office for the Nets is actually smart. I think Durant should give it a shot. I think I think the, the move can be made to go to Phoenix. The move can be made to go to Memphis. But if, if I'm the Nets organization, I am tempted by Desmond Bain. If I was the Nets general manager, because I love Desmond Bain, he's a good player. He's had an underrated offensive season. And I think a, building a team around him would be interesting. I don't know if we could do like, you know, Kevin, what what's the best piece you could get back for Kevin Durant? But Bain is one that would really, really tempt me if I was the Nets. Yeah, and he's an interesting, big scoring guard. And, you know, they throw in who? Killian Tilly, Santi Alma. I mean, there's just... Lofton? Like, there's so many there's so many Grizzlies that I love watching. They would get Zaire Williams for sure, too. Zaire, I mean, you know, they throw in some picks. I mean, there's there's just so many guys. They could go five, six deep of players who I like. Yeah, throw them in. Like, I'm not mad. So, um, as we said, this is a developing time, developing situation. Um, looks like the reports are out. Westbrook looks like he'll probably get bought out from the Jazz. And it looks like the Clippers and the uh, Chicago Bulls are interested in signing him, according to Chris Haynes. But a little interesting, a little breaking news coming out. Someone I used to love, someone close to my heart. The Knicks are trading Cam Reddish and a future first rounder to the Blazers for Josh Hart. Um, 
he's he's out of there. You know, not the biggest trade in the world, but I've definitely been a fan of Cam Reddish. So hopefully he actually gets minutes over in with the Blazers. Um, I guess the Knicks are trying to really go in on this season. But main reason why I brought it up is just some other players to look out for. Jay Crowder is sitting out this season, wants to get traded. Interesting that that's not talked about a little more, but the Suns have just been so bad. Uh, OG Ananobi has been the main piece, the main star left on the trading block. And then there's John Collins, you know, for 20 million years, people have been trying to trade him all over. And I think the only other trade to happen is Noah Vonley and cash considerations to the San Antonio Spurs. Got to mention it because it's your Spurs, but for a second rounder was announced a couple days back. And then Vonley got waived, so that doesn't even matter. But out of those pieces, uh, who are you most interested in? And Crowder and Anobi, Collins, you know, or even the, even the Cam Reddish trade? I actually really do like that Josh Hart to the Knicks trade. The Knicks are kind of a feisty playoff team this year. Jalen Brunson is balling. Julius Randle's balling. And Cam Reddish was not getting minutes. He wasn't, you know, really breaking the rotation there. Josh Hart can actually come in, be on the lineup, be on the floor at the end of a game for him. You got a guy that can actually play at the end of a playoff game for you. Do we want to do, do we want to do Irving on the Mavs quick? Oh, how Irving fits on the Mavs. Um, yeah, yeah, no, definitely with Doncic and his high usage rate, I think it's at 39% right now. You know, it's definitely going to be a little bit of an adjustment for him. But I think, I mean, I think it raises their ceiling. I'm not past, you know, maybe the Nuggets or, you know, or the Grizzlies, but it makes them interesting, you know, and who knows? Maybe Doncic just needed another guy to be there. I mean, he took down the 67-win Suns last year on his own, so... Who knows? Maybe you just needed one guy, but it's just all uh, all of us holding our breath to make sure that Kyrie doesn't do anything crazy. We have in the past seen Kyrie Irving be the number two guy on a title team. We saw him hit one of the biggest shots in NBA history. But if you're Luka Doncic and you're going to the Mavericks and you're saying, I need help, I need another star on this team, what can you guys do? And if you got if the Mavs come back with Kyrie Irving, if I'm if I'm Luka Doncic and I'm now looking at the history of the moves that the Dallas Mavericks have made, looking at what this organization organization has done really the last decade, I'd be just you know I'd be scratching my head a little bit. I'd be really wondering if this is an organization I can trust long term because, well, let's just let's just go through it. What are the moves that the Dallas Mavericks have made since they won the title? Since Dirk put the team, put the city, put the franchise on his back, carried that team to the title in the 2010-2011 season. What are the moves that the Dallas Mavericks have made since then? Well, they've signed guys like Vince Carter, 35-year-old Vince Carter to a three-year deal, 32-year-old Jameer Nelson for a two-year deal, 28-year-old Monte Ellis. They gave him three years, $25 million at the end of his run. Wes Matthews, they gave coming off an Achilles injury, 20. They gave him $70 million for four years. They signed Darren Williams, who was 31. Harrison Barnes, they overpaid. DeAndre Jordan, don't forget, they signed him 30 years old, one year, $22 million. They've traded for guys like Rajon Rondo, 32-year-old Amari Stoudemire, 32-year-old Andrew Bogut, 
Christian Wood was their big offseason ad last year. They traded for him. And their first round draft picks have been guys like Tyler Zeller, Kelly Olenek, who they actually traded to the Celtics on draft night for Shane Larkin. So Tyler Zeller, Shane Larkin, Justin Anderson, they took 21st overall that year he came out. Dennis Smith Jr., don't forget they drafted him ninth overall. And the Porzingis saga, how could you forget about the Kristaps Porzingis saga? They gave up two first-round picks plus some other contracts for Kristaps Porzingis. Signed him to a five-year, $158 million max contract and then traded him away for Spencer Dinwiddie and Bertans. And, you know, they flipped Dinwiddie into Irving. So trading Porzingis for Irving, maybe that's not too bad at the end of the day. But time and time again, the Mavs have gotten these guys that are just, they've constantly gotten guys that the league is is done with, guys that have lost their value in the NBA, whether, you know, they've, they've just kind of outplayed what they're worth, like the Harrison Barnes contract, the Wesley Matthews contract. Those guys just, you know, those three and D guys don't become valuable anymore when you're paying them $94 million over four years. Fence Carter, they're signing way too late. Porzingis, you know, they're trading for him at a shaky time. Same with, you know, just bringing in a guy like Christian Wood as well. Like what value does he have in the league? And the one guy that they actually get over this stretch that is worth anything, Jalen Brunson, they're not able to sign him. He walks and he goes to the Knicks. So Irving, 27, five and five this year. I get the numbers. I get the highlights. I get that. He's a better player. And if you're the Mavs, you go, hey, Luca, look at this. We brought you another player. We brought you an all-star starter. He is going to make this team more interesting in playoff games potentially. But, you know, I, I guess I don't even know if that's true because his playoff numbers haven't really been that good since uh, since LeBron, since he was with LeBron. And yeah. So if I'm Luca. You know, they're more talented, I guess, but the the moves that the Mavs make, the history that they have, and the type of guys that they're capable of landing, I'm just kind of scratching my head now, wondering if this is an organization I can trust long-term. Yeah, no, with the Mavs, I think, especially with losing Brunson last year and the way he's playing right now, um, you know, someone you mentioned, he wanted for All-Stars, which we'll get into next week, but... Um, he's been playing great the last couple of games, last month-ish. And with that going on and losing him, Mavs definitely felt pressure from Doncic. They definitely, you know, it's definitely felt like they let one go, one go. And they needed someone else now to pair up with him. And it, it definitely felt with the Mavs, they're panicking. You know, this is their, their next Dirk. And... You know, it's kind of they 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 are kind of backed into a corner. I mean, you have a guy like that, you kind of panic. You make big moves like this, and you know, I, I who knows is Doncic going to realistically stay with his team his whole career? Who knows? You know, but at least the Mavs can say they tried, and definitely with Kyrie, I mean, it's it's going to be a headache, and it's probably not going to work out. But I think this was more of the the front office for Dallas trying to do their credit, do their due diligence and be like, hey, look, we got you someone. We did mess up. I think this was kind of an admission of guilt with messing up with Brunson. But at the same time, you know, they did offer Brunson a solid contract. It's just the Knicks drank some crazy Kool-Aid and decided he was a superstar and chased like him. So And potentially tampered know. as well. Exactly. Like there's a whole lot of tampering, a whole lot of fishy stuff. 
And I don't know if they needed the tampering. I mean, you know, you're going to throw a player 20 million plus more at him. Of course, he's going to take it. So it's, it, you know, I don't know much more. The Mavs have kind of been put in a bad situation similar to the Brooklyn where you just kind of did what you had to do. And we'll have to see how the season goes. I mean, it's it's definitely interesting. It looks like an update on the uh, Josh Hart trade as well. It looks like the Knicks are also sending – Ryan actually Nakano and Spy Makai Luke shout out Kansas guy so looks like the uh, you know they got some young players whatever some um March Madness stars but uh back to yeah back to with uh Kyrie I mean yeah they they did what they had to and at the end of the day I kind of feel bad for them and we'll we'll have to see I mean it's it's there's gonna be like. Again, I guess the third time I mentioned myself. Yeah, I mean, but it's definitely something I've, you know, thought of on my own is they're, they're going to be some game where they'll go crazy. They'll combine for 80, 90 points, and everyone's going to have their roses and be like, look at this, who, you know, best duos in the NBA right now. And then, you know, in the playoffs, Kyrie's going to disappear out of nowhere and, you know, maybe not show up for a couple games, and Doncic's going to have to do it on his own. But considering the heights that Doncic has gone to on his own, Having someone like Kyrie there obviously helps and definitely raise the ceiling of this team. And we've seen Kyrie make it work with a generational star. So, you know, and it made it also not work with another generational star. So who knows? Well, we're going to see. We're going to have to see. Kyrie Irving, since playing with LeBron James in the playoffs, six seasons, he has only played in 22 playoff games. He is 22 points a game. Five assists, five rebounds, 43% from the field, 34% from three points. So you're bringing him in. You're hoping he helps you in the playoffs, but he hasn't really elevated his game there the last couple of seasons. Maybe it just adds to the LeBron to the LeBron resume, honestly, that he was able to win a title with Kyrie Irving, the most chaotic teammate ever as the second best player on that team. Maybe that's going to just be an underrated part of history, but Long-term, it's just going to be interesting to see how this move works out for the Mavs because I don't think anybody wants to hitch their wagon to Kyrie long-term. The reason he was leaving Brooklyn was they weren't willing to give him that max. They weren't wanting to lock him down long-term. He's wanting a four-year four $200 million contract, basically. If you're the Mavs, do you want to give him that? I don't think so. So if you let him walk, it's like, well, we gave up an unprotected pick in 29 to clear $30 million of cap space in 2023 in an offseason where the free agents are. You know, Chris Middleton, they going to make a run at Chris Middleton? Are they going to sign? You know, I don't, who who else is? I think Russell Westbrook's a free agent, but obviously they're not going to sign him. It's, a, it's not the deepest free agent class, and it's a head-scratching move. And uh, again, long-term, if Doncic, I would start having concerns about this organization, because I, I don't know really where they go and continue to go with just like how they get, make this team better. I don't know what assets they have to improve this team. They have contracts to again, flip for these guys where it's like, Hey, let's take swings on guys who, you know, young guys who aren't working out. Let's overpay guys that the league doesn't want to overpay. And those aren't, you know, you just the odds that you build a title team that way, probably not going to happen. And it, that's what happens, though, when you have one of these young guys where he's an all-time guy, he's a generational guy, and you just kind of panic as a team and go, well, we have to put a title team around this guy. You're trying to throw one together quickly every year, and you just, you're just you never able to let anything build, and all of a sudden, 
eight seasons have gone by and Doncic is like, well, I'm going to take my talents elsewhere. You know, this is not, this is not worked out in Dallas, but Cuban said it that this is maybe the best backcourt in the league and talently talent wise, you know, that may be true, but I don't think this again is moving the needle for Dallas in any way. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely moving it in a good direction in my opinion, but it does hurt in the long term, though. It, it is tough. I mean, we, we I mean, we got to admit the team is better with Kyrie Irving on. Yeah, it. I mean, for sure. And at the end of the day on the court, they're a better team with Kyrie. So, you know, it's, you know, they're just, it's just whether he'll be on the court. That's the main question. Um, Liz, similar to LeBron, Luca did put pressure on this team to get better. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, we want to allow him to build, but you know, if the superstar doesn't let it happen, then, you know, there's not much you could do because it's a superstar driven league. I mean, either you have the guys or you don't. And um, at least for the short term with Luca's injury, you know, now they'll have someone to carry the team while he's out. We'll see him get reps. He'll get his shots up. At least he'll get, you know, he'll definitely get his usage rate up on his own. So at least he'll have time to get comfortable in Dallas get comfortable with the team, get to know the offense. He'll be the number one option right away. So it'll be interesting to see the next couple games and then see once Luca comes back, them come together. But from the Mavs point of view, they were like, we, we, you know, we did our job. We brought in a star. I mean, I mean, it kind of quite literally fell into their laps, this kind of trade. And, you know, is the team better in the long term? Probably not, but you know, it's whatever you got to do to keep your superstar happy and who knows, you know, maybe they'll go crazy in the playoffs, and you never know. I mean, with Doncic, I don't think anyone picked them to beat the Suns, and they were in the conference finals last year, so it's definitely, it's, we're, I mean, it, it's definitely a wait-and-see kind of situation, but um, making sure we have one last check on any other NBA trades, I mean, it looks like, it feels like this is popping off every every couple minutes here. We have, I think we have to get a quick thing in about OG Ananobi, right? Cause he's like the one last big name on the market. Again, we're recording this yeah. Wednesday night, the trade deadlines tomorrow. So there's just going to be a bunch of things that happen that we're probably not going to be able to talk about, but OG, the next big name on the move. And I, he's like kind of your guy, right? Raptors, yeah. former team of the Love year. Him. You have a lot of stock in this team. And I guess the question for me that I have about the Raptors is just the looking at this roster why do they have to break the roster up? Because I actually do kind of like all these pieces still. They're favorable contracts. Siakam was all NBA last year. Ananobi is still a piece. Scotty Barnes is there. Like if you're just if you're if you're picking two guys off this team like long term you want to build around, I still think it may be Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi. Want to do what you can to keep those pieces around. So I, you know, I get that they're a team that needs to make a move, but with a team that the, the fact they have such, you know, they have a lot of such good young pieces. It's sad that they would have to break that up before it was ever able to gel into anything. Yeah. I think there's something going on with the team. I think Nick nurse, you know, I mean, first of all, the Raptors are taking calls. So, they, you know, they're, yeah, they're, their record's they're not animal. good this year. They're underperforming. Yeah. I get it. I get it. But yeah, like they're, you know, and then there's stuff going on, I think, with Nick Nurse. I'm not 100%, but I think I was hearing, you know, they were having some issues with him. Um, and so, you know, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's a little, it is kind of strange, a little head scratching. You know, it wouldn't be the worst thing if they just decided to pack it in. 
you know, and I've been a fan of OG, um, you know, since he's come up these last couple of years. And it's it, it is a little weird, but it's it's similar to, you know, treading water kind of deal. Um, I think they want to really cash in, which I mean, I think the team thinks he's probably not turning into a superstar. So I'd, I'd be kind of actually wary of trading for him. But there's probably going to be some team that's going to pick him up. Um, I think we looked. He has one more year left on his deal. He'll be an expiring, right? Next Let year. And then he has, on. yeah, I think he's under contract this year, under contract next year, like 17 this year, option. 18 next year. And then, yeah, player option for option. 19, which assuming, you know, he'll be like 27, he'll probably opt out of that. Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah, want to report has, that now? Yeah. Send out yeah, the tweet. Break the news. He's, he's breaking, uh, he's breaking his thing. So, also, as we said, revolving situation, you know, Josh Hart was literally pulled off the court minutes, the second or minutes before the game. So more is coming out about the deal. And I don't know, it isn't looking too good for the Knicks right now. So the Knicks, they sent to the Blazers, they sent Cam Reddish and then that future first. And it's a lottery pack protected this year. And if it doesn't, um, if they don't get it, that means it's four second rounders if they don't get it. So one player and four second rounders for Josh Hart is a lot. I don't know if that changes your grade really, but you know, an interesting twist. You know, that's that's a lot of second. I know second rounders don't matter as much nowadays in the league. People don't care as much, but that's a lot of picks for one player, and you're already giving up a, you know, a decent player who they never play because I don't know Thibodeau hates him for some reason. But, um, you know, we got to give you the up-to-date information. Yeah, being in the lottery means you're missing the playoffs. The Knicks are trying to make a playoff run. So, ideally, you know, they actually are conveying that first-round pick this year and not turning it into four first, second round. Four is a lot, though. It is a lot. Yeah. It's uh, But, again, they're trying to make a playoff push. So, either way, it's sad. I Teams like it when they just have sad endings either way. I guess especially the Knicks. They just love yeah. to shoot themselves in the foot. Um, so I wanted to touch on one last topic just because I really, really like watching them the last couple of games. Ever since, pretty much the question is, were the Bucks the best team all along? They just didn't have Chris Middleton. And it's quite frankly, yes. Since Chris Middleton has come back, the Bucks have been 8-0, outscoring opponents by 11.4 points per possession have top 10 offensive rating, second best defensive rating in that stretch, best net rating, highest pace, they're running up and down the court. And Giannis, even though Chris Milton's been only averaging 13, 14 points, okay, Giannis has been averaging 37.5 points, 14 and a half rebounds, five and a half assists. So pretty much 38, 15, and six. And Giannis this year, he's been just tearing it up inside inside the paint, almost half his shots within three feet, almost 10%, half of his attempts are within three feet of the basket, almost a 10% jump from last year, which means he's getting more calls, and he's had a career-high 13.3 free throws, even though he has almost a career-worst shooting them. And these weren't easy games. Uh, I was re-watching that Bucks, uh against the Clippers, down 21, comeback, pretty much stop. I think the and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard missed – like their next, I think, eight or ten field goal attempts, something along those lines, but pretty much locked up a full-strength Clippers team. They actually played their stars for once, and Giannis goes for 54. 
Um, next game, Giannis has a triple-double. Chris Middleton has 24 points. Looking at the team, Drew Holiday named on All-Star. Shout-out to Brooke Lopez for passing 15,000 points. I think only less than 200 players in NBA history have done that. And, you know, he's scoring at a great rate. Um, John, Javon Carter, he's also been really showing up the last couple of games. Really, I mean, his his defense, I've always liked Javon Carter, especially on the Suns. Um, he's bounced around the league a little bit, and his offense has always struggled. But I love him ever since he was on West Virginia with his annoying teams, giving Kansas a whole lot of headaches. But, you know, in those games they beat, and they beat in the heat, you know, pretty much full strength Jimmy Butler was playing. Um, Clippers, Hornets, easy Pacers, you know, it's kind of sneaky and they beat the Nuggets as well. You know, it started off with that huge win against the Pistons, but I think, I don't know if Jokic was playing that game. No, they were sitting out everyone that game against the Nuggets, but pretty much Bucks are on fire and, you know, I, I've loved the Celtics. We praise the Celtics this year, but we've always said, you know, even when you look at last year, the two, they were taking a seven games by the Bucks without Chris Melton. Now you got cash money, Chris, starting to get healthy. Are the Bucks just the best team? And we just got to close the book on it for now until, until otherwise other notice. And Middleton is not even like playing like full Chris Middleton yet. He's only playing about 20 minutes a game. Obviously you're slowly working him back from injury. His per 36 right now for points per game is 22 points. So that's that's kind of per 36 right about where he needs to be, but only 30% shooting from the three-point line. So he'll continue to work his way back. He'll continue to get better. And with that big three, I think they're 12 and three when he plays. So, I mean, a crazy win percentage probably would be the one seed in the East if that team was fully healthy and going, but it does expose some of the depth depth issues that they've had because you know, they really have had some slumps when Chris Middleton has been out. They've had some losing streaks. Connaughton, Grayson Allen there. You know, they're looking to upgrade those guys at the trade deadline as well. So, you know, it, it's... I still think Boston, with their start and with just the fact that the depth that they have, the lineups they can put out there, like, I still think that they're the number one... They're still the top team in the East. But Milwaukee, with the level that Giannis is playing at right now, you can't doubt him because, again, he's had the crown for the last five years. He's been the top guy. I think I said a couple months back that the East, East still goes through Milwaukee. So I guess I really don't even know why I'm changing my mind. Yeah, no. but I personally believe the Bucks are the number one team in the league. When, when If Chris Middleton is healthy, they got that team. Drew Holiday. I don't understand. Like, I understand they're trying to upgrade some places. I think they should just, they're fine. If Brooke Lopez, you know, as long as he's being putting solid stats out there, you know, above 10 points a game, Drew Holiday continues the streak he's on. I mean, he's, he's having a great season. And Giannis, mm, yep. Giannis is just Giannis. I mean, you just look at Giannis. He's just, I mean, it's just, it's just stupid how good he is. And, and he just knows it. And this year he's just punishing guys inside. I mean, he knows, he, he mentioned like he's fine with missing four free throws in a row because, you know, even if, he misses them. He's still putting people in foul trouble, adjusting defenses, and he, he's just him. He's just him. I mean, and there's no one who can stop him. The the Bucks are, you know, they're definitely. It's definitely in the swing of things where he's at. He's. At, I mean, we mentioned this already, but he's at the point where he's a settled guy in the league. He knows he's fine. You know, he know. There's no. There's no weight on him anymore. He's. He's an NBA champion, MVP, Hall of Famer already, and now with no pressure. 
he just can go out there and play. And when Giannis is just having fun, you know, and he's just probably one of the most competitive guys in the league, maybe the most competitive every night. I mean, you never hear him talking about load management, worried about that stuff. And, you know, he is a freak of nature. But, I mean, he, he just does every night. It's it's just he's going to be that big, that tall every night. And, you know, we've talked about it many times. And, you know, with with an actual another piece. And, it, and that's another thing. They were lost their second best player, and they're still second in the East. I mean, they just needed a solid winning streak, and they're pounding down the doorstep of the Celtics, who, you know, they've had a great season, but they've been kind of stumbling here and there, even without the injuries, and now they're banged up. So it's 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 definitely looking like the Bucks are starting to get in a swing, and, you know, we have the All-Star break coming up. But after this All-Star break, if they really start, you know, doing, you know, what I'd love for a team to do, which – you get all your players, you're going into that all going into the playoffs off an all-star break, really getting it down, you know, getting that chemistry up, getting those wins. Cause they're, they're going to rack in a lot of wins with this team and they're going to be a real scary force in the playoffs. And I think a clear favorite to win it all. And one of the reasons Giannis doesn't really ever have to complain about load management is because the bucks really do a good job of load managing their stars. Anyways, he is, 32 minutes a game for his career. I mean, the last, the last, you know, five years, he's been about 30, 32 minutes a game. So you look at like all of his thir per 36 numbers and you realize that when he is like cranked it up and he is just going for it fully, he is pro he is definitely the best player in the league. I think he leads the league right now in points per in points per game per 36 minutes. And I bet if you go back the last couple of years, I mean, I would bet he would be, you know, one or two in the league in that category. It's like that every year. So I take back what I said. I think fully healthy Bucks still. I mean, Giannis, top guy in the league. I don't know. I I, I don't know how you bet against it. It's so close, though. I mean, you, Tatum, Tatum can just elevate his scoring any night. He knows how to hang with the top guys. He loves playing in the stars. He loves those moments. He's just, I mean, 40 points is staple center. I mean, you can get that from him. He's no for so it, it's tough. Those guys will see it in the playoffs, I'm sure. But I've fully healthy Bucks. Like it's a scary team, the pedigree, and if they again had been that way last year, it's hard not to think that this team is not in the finals. And if they're in the finals against the Warriors, I mean, is Giannis hoisting another trophy? Like is that happening? So maybe the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, Eastern Conference favorites, title favorites. Am I getting ahead of myself? Two and three years. I mean, you know, I, I definitely think they're beating the Warriors in the finals. And, you know, I love Tatum. And, you know, like we mentioned, love Tatum all the time. But you got to go with the team that's actually done it before, you know. And MV, NBA MVP, you know, guy who's elevated his game in the finals. And, you know, we saw what happened with Tatum. He needs a little bit more time, a little maturation for him. But now, now, now is Giannis's time. And, you know, we love the Nuggets. Hopefully they can stay healthy. But, and you know, that was kind of the freak weird thing with Chris Middleton being injured is he's usually healthy pretty consistently. You know, Drew Holiday, he isn't out that much. I think Lopez has had some injury stuff, but he's really started playing. And these guys usually don't get injured. And so with Middleton, I highly doubt he'll be out again. And it's, yeah, they're looking like rolling right now. And it's a team that, you know, it, they want to win. They they really care about every game. And at least Giannis does. And, you know, you're getting the best out of Giannis every single night. 
and just watching him play, it's just it's just so fun to watch. It's just it's so fun to watch. It's kind of like Curry, you know, with that 402 season, you know, just in a different way where he's just he's just doing whatever he wants. And it's it, and they know it's him. Like that's the crazy part. You know it's gonna happen. You try some, you know, change it up, and it it just not and his shooting outside, even though he's going to the rim. He's more comfortable with his mid-range. You can see he's more comfortable with a three. He doesn't really think about it. He just lets it fly if they leave him open. So it's it's just so much fun to watch him. And I think, you know, right now we're seeing the prime of, you know, what could end up being one of the top 10 players of all time. He's been he's been at he's been top two in points per game per 36 minutes, four of the last five years, top five, all five of those years. So yeah, I mean you said dominant. And going into the playoffs, yeah, he's going to be the top guy. The East is going to continue to go through him. And I don't know how he continues to just play the best basketball of his career every year, but he does it, and he's doing it again this year. And it's just going to be if Chris Middleton stays healthy because I the Drew Holiday season, like you said, to go back to it earlier, underrated. He made the all-star team. There's no doubt about that. His two-way impact has been every, you know, they've needed it this year. He's delivered. He always comes through in the playoffs. So stretch run. I mean, the one seed has got to be, it's got to be within reach. Let's see here. Yeah. They're only one game behind Boston right now. So the East is, you know, it's right there for them. If this team is healthy, they're 12 and three with Middleton on the court. That's just Middleton. I don't even know if that's with all three of them together. So fully healthy. I mean, this team should be top of the East. They have a chance to get that one seed. If they can pull something together down the stretch. What what were the did you have the net rating? What were they in net rating since Middleton came back? Were they first? Uh yeah, they were first in net rating. Yeah, second yeah. best in defense and top yeah. ten in offense. So yeah, it's 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 crazy. And you know the Celtics they lost. They don't have Marcus Smart. Jalen Brown's day to day. Al Horford's day to day. Robert Williams day to day. So they're a little banged up. And yeah, it wouldn't be surprising for them to lose that top spot. So that is wild. Well, one of the uh, one of the roots of Rem and Sam, as we started with Spop.media website, you know, we kind of moved over to the Instagram because Rem has just gone crazy with that, you know, tens of thousands of views on there. It's it's wild how that page has grown. But, you know, every once in a while, we got to dip our toe in the pop culture, mix it up a little bit. We are excited for the Ant-Man movie, which, you know, hopefully we'll get around to watching. But before that rolls around, before we give our reviews on that, we did have the Grammys this past weekend. And I won't lie, I didn't watch it. You know, I just saw the reaction back from it. Yeah, we didn't. I don't think either anyone else. I don't think anyone under 40 watched it. And so looking at, at some of the selections, you know, there's some you know, ones that kind of made sense. And um, we were both shocked with the best song selection. Also, shout out to Harry Styles for winning the best album. I definitely loved Harry's house. You know, I I mean, there's a lot of great songs on there. But, you know, looking at the best song, I was kind of surprised, taken aback by Just Like That, Bonnie Ray. Sorry, any great fans of theirs, you know, of her. You know, I don't think that was it. But, Rev, who would you have chosen for the Grammy for the best song of the year out of the nominations, obviously. Well, first of all, it's not just, I mean, are we missing something here? Like, like what is this song? Cause neither of us have heard this song. 
I don't know if Never. neither of us have heard of this artist. Like we we get we get Never. there may be a generational gap. We may understand, you know, we may not be the most knowledgeable people, but I neither of us know what's going on here. We don't understand how she was able to come up with the win against nominees. You mentioned Harry Styles, you know, cleaning up for the album. Like it totally makes sense. This guy seems like he's modern day Elton John. I mean, th- that album was, I think, most like everybody agreed that that album was a good album. I think that was had to have been the most listened to album of the year. So I think, you know, as it was, seems good. You have Beyonce right there as well. Break my heart, smash hit. Feels like, you know, she deserves. Had, has she ever won? Feels like she probably. Uh, she might have, but I know the Beehive was out after not her not winning anything. Yeah, I mean, she could have. She had a big year, so she could have won something. But I don't understand what's going on there. I don't even know the name of the song again. You're gonna have to remind me. Yeah, I think it, just like that is it. I don't know. I was listening. You listen to it. Is it is it good? No, it's. I mean, it almost put me to sleep. I didn't like. I. I don't know. I don't understand how you have that when you had like "Break My Soul" as it was. Like I. I. I know pretty much every other song on this list besides that. What song is it? Is well, it a country song? What I kind of song is. is it? It's a little bit. It might be a little country. It's 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 a little it's a little funky. We'll put it that way. So, you know, for any anyone who you know picked that song, uh, I don't know what what you're what you were thinking, but no, it was that one. That one isn't it. Um, also, you know, I know you wanted to give a shout out to Kendrick Lamar for Grammy for rap album. I know you definitely love that one. I think that was your pick in our rap picks or our end of year review right for uh um mr morale and the big steppers in the face off yeah shout out kendrick lamar i think now the last three albums he has dropped have all won grammy for best rap album so i mean obviously this guy's a legend top of the game and unfortunately you know just from an industry perspective we kind of you know kanye going forward is probably not going to be nominated he's probably not (laughs) He probably doesn't have a future at the Grammys. And he's like the one guy in the game now. You know, you still have Jay-Z, but Donda even last year was still nominated for Best Rap Album. So you lose him in the industry. And it's, you know, who's like the top guy now? Who does the industry claim as their, you know, darling? Because the rap game now, like, and just the whole like music game in general, like, the Grammys used to be for the stars. Like the stars were the ones that got nominated, but now like stars are just everywhere streaming. You can be a star without necessarily being recognized by the industry, but who are the guys, you know, that are actually recognized by the industry and still the stars still selling the top albums. And it was Kanye. It's Kendrick. Now, maybe it was even Kendrick before still, like we meant the last three albums he's dropped have all won best rap album i thought it was interesting that jack harlow was nominated for the grammy because we mentioned like the space between being a star on the charts being a star in streaming versus being recognized by the industry and he's like you've seen the rise now where the hits you know transition he drops the i forget what the last album he dropped was called Come home, the kids miss you that was the album he dropped this year but the one he dropped uh before that with way out on oh. it with rendezvous i it's a i i feel oh, dumb that's for what that's what they all say yeah, yeah i feel stupid yeah, for forgetting what it's called it's a great album it's but great it, album. yeah it's it, it's interesting to see of all of the guys in the game right now of all the young guys going that he is the guy that has emerged as you know kendrick the 
old, you know, the industry legend, but as like, who's the young upcoming guy? Interesting that Harlow has emerged as that guy. Yeah, he's definitely, he's a little smoother, you know, with how he sings or raps, you know, he definitely has some big yeah, names. more old school for sure. Yeah, it's definitely a little old school. I definitely, you know, I, I and I like that album as well, you know, First Class, Dua Lipa, you know, Nail Tech. Is it uh, Churchill Downs? I think Churchill was also Downs. Na- nominated for one of the top songs, you know, probably should have won yeah. instead. But, you know, so he's, he's definitely, he does the big show stuff, you know, he gets out there, you know, he, I think he kind of follows the industry rules kind of thing. You know, he, he um, you know, his rise. So, and I think he definitely, I think he does the promotional stuff because I see him do like the, you know, 2K stuff. So he's kind of followed the rules. And I think that's kind of why he's gotten love from the industry back. So, you know. Yeah, I think he even does like late night. Hasn't he been on yeah. Kimmel, Fallon? I feel like he even does that stuff. But yeah. again, he is like probably like just in general too, like the most popular rapper going as well. When he drops a song, it's going to number one of the charts when he is, you know, he has that influence now mm-hmm. when a guy is in his crew, like that guy is also going to pop off and be a star as well. He has that star Drewski. effect. So I, yeah, Drewski is a prime example of that. Like what he's like, he's been very helpful. That's a great friend. Uh, he's been a great friend of Drewski for his career. So to see the industry recognize him as well, very cool. I think well-deserved. And I think, of all the guys, I think it also just makes sense, too. I think he would have probably been the favorite going in to just be like, hey, who's going to be the top? Who's the next top guy? It was interesting to see that he was the top guy that emerged. Shout out, Young Star, of course. Yeah, no, shout out to him. He's been a rising guy. Um, and, I've, you know, I've definitely loved his music, even, even Tyler Hero, even though the song flopped a little. But... Anyway, um, getting to the near end of the pod, so you know we got to take a trip down Ultimate Frisbee Corner. The path to nationals starts this weekend. University of Iowa Ultimate Frisbee Club are hosting a tournament Iowa Indoor nearby here. So if you're in Iowa City, come to the Hawkeye Recreation Tennis Courts. I don't think it's courts, but anyway. If you got time, a Hawkeye Tennis and Recreation Complex. And, um, yeah, I got seating. We're going to have the best teams in the state. And um, hoping to go 4-0, being the alums. I know I mentioned it last week. But um, it's exciting. It's exciting. We've been training. We've been doing, you know, working in the lab. But, you know, it's always different when you play the games. And, um, yeah, always uh, appreciate support. So, Check us out, and I'll make sure to give a report. You know, mention the five or six points that I play in the whole tournament, and um, yeah, keep a keep a lookout. But how many games are you expected to play in this tournament? So we we have we're playing four games. Um, we're playing Grinnell, playing uh, UN University of Northern Iowa, and then we're playing Iowa State, and then we're finishing off the day against the Lums. So the alums, it's yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah, it's definitely uh incline, you know, from, you know, the weaker teams to the definitely the best teams. So it'll be the first two games. I'll probably be playing a lot more. And then, you know, near the end, it'll be more of off field presence, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Um, I definitely am excited for it because, yeah, we, 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 we got some, uh, we got some vendettas to finish with. The last two teams we played beat us both on one point at the very end of the game. And I think 
we were supposed to win both of them. So like we were getting, we were starting on offense and we're supposed to score on them for both times. So we're definitely, we're definitely looking for revenge. It'll be, it'll be fun. So. It would be, you need to do the ultimate Frisbee version of Cam Thomas scoring 40 points in three straight games. He's coming out of nowhere, just going crazy. Hey, look, we're going to try. I'll tell you that. We're definitely going to try. My, I'm going to be, my stats are going to look crazy starting out in the tournament. So maybe we'll, we'll see. That's just three, four straight games. Of- the alums is the one though, right? That's the game you got to get. That's the one you got to win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're going to, you know, we want to beat state the most, you know, out of all of them, just because, you know, they're state and they beat us. But alums, it's definitely a lot for pride. You know, they've been, we were, we were so close to beating them and, uh, um, it'll be, it'll be fun to play them again, you know, it's just, yeah, and get a chance to beat them. So it'll be a nice way to end off the day. That's going to be crazy to have a couple of real emotional rivalry games back to back like that. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's going to be, yeah, well, we'll be warm though. We'll, we'll, we, we should have, we should be undefeated going into those games and we should be undefeated at the end of the tournament. So but definitely going into those games, well, the, there's ninety percent chance we'll be not two and zero. So we should handle business with those two, and um, yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be real interesting. It's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be a good time because it'll be good games. But we're slated. We're we should win all of them. So, but anything you want to shout out, Rem, or anything before we get here in the end, or I think we got it. Shout out Kendrick Lamar. Shout out Ant Man. Shout out uh, UFC, Volkanovski versus Islam this week. We will find oh. out, I guess, who is the pound-for-pound pound number one king. Shout out Volkanovski. I don't know if we can be biased either. I guess we can We can make picks, though. So Volkanovski, I'll be riding with him. So shout out. We will yeah. find out who the pound-for-pound pound king is this weekend. Is it lightweight or middleweight? Or? It's a catchweight fight. So it's just Volkanovski is the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. Islam is the number two pound for pound in the fighter in the world. I think Islam fights. I guess I'm I'm a bad UFC fan. I don't know all the weight classes. Still new, still learning everything. No. But uh, yeah, th- these guys are ranked one and two, not in the same weight class, but they're putting both of their belts on the line, and uh, they're yeah, they're just they're fighting for uh for the number one spot in the world. So those like pound for pound mean like they're smaller or like they're late. Per pound is just the ranking. Or... Yeah, pound for pound is just the ranking across all the weight classes. Oh, okay. All right. So, re- yeah, regardless oh, so of like the best, the best. Yeah, it's oh, like wow. the AP poll versus the conference championships. Oh, okay. So you're saying like we're gonna have two Super Bowls this weekend? <laughs> yeah, kinda. All right, all right. Well, I'll have to keep an eye out for that one, too. Oh, what? Wait, it's UFC. What? What is it called? We'll see what number it is here. UFC 281, oh, okay. maybe? Yeah, how do they? Do you know how they pick those numbers? Well, they, they're they just going in order now. UFC 284. Oh, there we go. Wow, they both only lost one fight. All right. Well, one of them's going to double their losses. It's... That's going to be interesting. I don't, maybe we'll need to tune in. But that should be about it for this podcast. As always, make sure you're following the Instagram, Rem and Sam. Show love. Don't forget to put in the DMs what crazy thing I should do if 
CJ Gardner Johnson wins the Super Bowl MVP. I swear, if it happens out of nowhere, first of all, that means the Chiefs lost. Okay. And then the literally the craziest thing happened. Just kick me while I'm down, I guess. But um, yeah, put it, hit us up. And yeah, make sure you're following us on Instagram, on Spotify. Check us, Bob.media, all of it. And yeah, thank you for listening. <laughs>